This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, so if you haven't uh, subscribed to the uh, Pointless Exercise newsletter, there's never been a better time than right now. Go to pointlessexercise.com and you can subscribe to it uh, for the regular price. Such a deal. Uh, Also, uh, thank you for listening to this podcast. Uh, This is our movie deep dive podcast. We also have a cub podcast with uh, Sam Fells and Kyle Reichert. And of course, remember this crap with Mike Donahue. And to get all those podcasts, just subscribe right here. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise podcast. It's time to do a movie deep dive with actor comedian Mike Pusateri on Rounders, starring Matt Damon and Ed Norton and a cast of thousands. So, Mike, how are you doing? I am doing great. I got my uh, my glass of scotch. I got my my I got my rolled up aces over kings. I'm I'm ready to go. I'm just sitting here messing around with Oreos. Uh, good. That, I like that to awesome. open them right next to my ear. Give me, give me a good when listen. When I don't have a good hand, I get a little shaky. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The easiest tell maybe in poker history. <laughs> it's basically the, my cards are shit. Like I'm waving this cookie at you. Right. I finally spotted it. <laughs> so as always, Mike, um, where, can they, uh, where can people find you on the, uh, on the internets? On the, the internet, I'm at uh, MikePusateri.com, and uh, you look me up on the, the IMDb at uh, MikePusateri2, for long-time listeners of this podcast know that, and, and uh, on the Twitter at, at MikePusateri. And I'll give a quick plug uh, to the uh, Pointless Exercise newsletter, which is the same quality, except now you have to pay for it. <laughs> um, you can go to PointlessExercise.com, so you can check that out, and uh, the podcast is always free. Always free. Yes. Judge things by a charge by the quality of the product. So the podcast, free. Wait, we should be paying, that does, paying that people. Right. <laughs> yes. So I started by, I don't know if you did this, but I, Rounder is one of my favorite movies. And there's an audio commentary. Did you listen to this by any chance? On, no, I did not. I did, the, I did the same thing I did with Major League, which is, I went to watch it on Hulu, realized that I no longer have a Cinemax subscription. And so they were going to charge. So I couldn't watch it for free. So okay. I rented it on Amazon Prime. And then I managed to not pull the audio clips off of it. So I get to do it again. Oh, good. Second, second movie in a row, I get to pay for it twice. Because I'm too <laughs> lazy to pull the clips off the first time. <laughs> nice. Well, the DVD audio commentary on the Blu-ray is great. So you've got John Dahl, the director, Edward Norton, and uh, the two writers, Brian Koppelman and David Levine, who, if you're fans of Billions, people should know that Brian and David are the showrunners and creators of Billions, which is one of the best shows on television and um, probably would not exist if not for Rounders, because Rounders was their first film that they did together. 
And I, I told you, you asked me once if I watched Billions, and I said no. And I had right. the worst reason ever. And it's that about was, <laughs> right, looks like a good show, but Bill Simmons brags about how great it is all the time. And I'm like, I screw it, I'm not going to watch it. Yeah. Bill, this, the yeah. guy also who claims he was the first person ever to watch The Wire, when I had seen all six seasons before he ever watched one, because they were actually, I don't know if he knows this, they were actually on HBO. Like, it took like eight <laughs> yeah. years to watch all six seasons. You don't just wander in one day and, and knock them off in a weekend. But Right. Right. No, I haven't watched. But I've heard. I've heard good things, and one of these days I will break down and and watch it. Billions is great. A uh, good buddy of mine, Tim Davis, plays Chef Ryan on that show. He does a great job. One of the things that you see in Billions a lot is they refer to they all, they're always doing movie quotes, always almost to the point of it getting a little bit annoying. They do them so frequently, but you see some of that in in uh, in Rounders, and so we'll touch on that. I'm sure as we go through. Do they do the Hawk Harrelson? They say the line. They go movie reference. Uh, they don't do that. <laughs> that's what they should. That would be the best. Yeah. That's something. Of the many things you want a copy of Hawk, I'm sure that's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> one of the top things. So we open up. It's, 19, it's 1998. It's New York. And it's a really great New York movie, right? It's a, this is a very unsanitized, raw version of New York. And we open up on Matt Damon... Matt Damon's apartment. He plays Mike McDermott. Um, do you know how they got the name Mike? If not, think about it. We'll get to that later. But he was named at, there's a Chicago connection to the name Mike McDermott. And he, we see his girlfriend sleeping. His girlfriend is Gretchen Maul. Uh, both relatively unknown. This They shot this. They shot Rounders during that time when Goodwill Hunting had been shot, but it had not yet come out. So Matt was still kind of a relative unknown. Edward Norton was the big was the the big star of the two, and that's one of the things they talk about. With they were wondering, Jesus, is Ed going to want to do this because he's got to play the second the second lead here to Matt? And Edward, you know, had no problem doing it. He, he you know he couldn't wait to do this film, but that was a big deal. And um, and we see that they introduced like Matt doing the voiceover which is really a great way to explain the jargon because one of the things that I like so much about this movie is that this is an example of Hollywood setting the culture. There was not a, there was nobody knew what, you know, Texas Hold'em was in 1998. <laughs> Unless you were a real degenerate poker player, gambler who actually watched the world series of poker. Nobody knew what that was. Now it's just, of course, this you know, incredibly huge thing. So, how do you explain all the terms? How do you use that terminology or do you not use the terminology and dumb it down? They, they made the smart choice. They said, no, we're going to talk like the guys talk and we're going to use the terminology that is used, but we got to explain it somehow. And so they use the device of Matt Damon coming in, doing voiceover throughout the movie, kind of explaining things were necessary, which I thought, which I always thought was a really neat way to do that. Listen, here's the thing. If you can't spot the sucker in your first half hour at the table, then you are the sucker. Guys around here will tell you, you play for a living. It's like any other job. You don't gamble. You grind it out. Your goal is to win one big bet an hour. That's it. Get your money in when you have the best of it. Protect it when you don't. Don't give anything away. That's how I've paid my way through half of law school true grinder see i learned how to win a little at a time 
But finally, I've learned this. If you're too careful, your whole life can become a fucking grind. So do you want me to, to – I can distract – I can make it really distracting at the beginning of the movie for people. Do so. It looks a lot to me like – especially at the beginning of the movie. Matt Damon and Gretchen Maul have the same haircut. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I can see why you two like it. Did you know Gretchen Maul was not the first choice for Joe? Um, I did not know that. I thought they got most casting got most of their first choice. Who was Nev Campbell turned it down. Really? Interesting. Interesting. I know that was a a weird thing because that's not in Marauders. It's not a love story. And I do know that Gretchen Maul, they plan to use her much less than they did. They ended up bringing her back and bringing her back, but they were very careful. They did not want to make this a love story. A la Goodwill hunting. Yeah. Well, you know why, why Nev turned it down? She refused to get the Matt Damon haircut, <laughs> which is a good reason. Yeah, it's like I'm not, I'm not doing that. He's super yeah. distractingly blonde in the movie. Yeah, they they talk on the on the audio comment. They talk about that whole thing about Matt and his frosted hair. <laughs> so if, that's a if, if you want to watch that, or uh, they get into Matt's hair quite a bit on that. So we see the scene, and this scene was actually added. We learned where Matt is gathering his money. He's gathering his, his stacks of money. He's got them in books. He's got them behind shelves. He's just picking all this stuff up. He's doing it when Gretchen Maul is asleep because he doesn't want her to see. And we're getting this idea that, you know, he, there's a lot on the line for him. And he, uh, he gives us the line, if you can't so- spot the sucker at the table in the first half hour, well, then you are the sucker. So he gathers all this up, heads out in the middle of a New York night, going to Teddy KGB's house. Um, Establishment. Now, what are your thoughts when you see Teddy? Well, that's when we first meet the great John Malkovich, and it's this underground, super cool looking, but you know, very seedy looking poker underground poker club. Yeah, the the just from they do a great job with the wardrobe because just from the clothes, he's Russian. The weird yeah. track pants and the flannel shirt, and um, but I I've heard Kaufman talk about. He was on set for the very first scene they shot with Malkovich, and he does that weird, over-the-top accent. Hanging around, hanging around. And right. Koppelman is like, oh, he's not going to do this for the whole movie, is he? <laughs> yeah. And they look at the director, and he's like, sounds good to me. Right. What he had done was he, had, he, was, in, he was out of the country. Maybe he was in Paris or something when he got offered this and so he had a a tutor or a friend read the dialogue for him in russian and they said to him do you want us to get a you know a, a language coach a speech coach to help he said no no, no i got it i got it <laughs> <laughs> and so so she reads his lines into his tape recorder and then he listens to the tape recorder and just basically tries to to repeat the lines the way he's heard them in the tape recorder yeah. and they're all like what the fuck is this? This is crazy. This sounds yes. crazy over the top. Pay this man his monies. Pay this man his money. <laughs> hanging around, hanging around. <laughs> <laughs> but also, it's like, it's John Malkovich. Yeah. He can do whatever the fuck right. he wants. He, he's the master. I'm sure it's what fine. John Dahl was like. No, he's, you know, he's agreed to yeah, be he's, in it. He's going to do it this way. He's good. We got him. And when so when Mike comes in, he at uh, Malkovich says five hundred. <laughs> <laughs> Expected Mike to just look for five hundred dollars worth of chips or checks, and instead Mike says, "Me 
three stacks of high society. Which, the first time I saw it, I was like, ooh, $3,000. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. Not quite. No. 30 grand. $30,000. 30, yes. 30 grand. Nin- a 1998, 30 grand, too. Yeah. Um, he's, so we meet a lot of characters in this scene. Like, we meet Joey Kanish. Um, who uh, is is played by the great John Turturro, and I believe in the in the DVD commentary we learned that that Kanish was actually based on a guy named Bagels. I think it was <laughs> Joey Bagels. They changed it to Joey Kanish, but he was based on a real guy, a real you know uh, grinder type of player, and he he tries to talk him out of it. Says you know. Don't do this. But Mike is Mike is, as we learn later, why? But Mike is hell bent on he's he's gonna put this, he's gonna put this money in play and he's gonna see what he can do. So it's no limit Texas Hold'em. Uh, again, nobody knows what this is. So we have Matt Damon doing the the narration, explaining the rules to this, uh, to this game, and it and it's a, becomes a a one-on-one game between Mike and Teddy, Teddy KGB, Malkovic. And we see this whole thing unfold where Mike thinks that he's got him. Mike's got a, a full house. He thinks Teddy's on a flush draw, meaning he'll win the hand if he can get him, if he can get Teddy to go all in. We see where Teddy um, does, the, you know, does the thing with the uh, um, Oreo. He puts it up to his ear. He splits it. He's got to listen he to the cookie. Got to listen to the listen to the cookie. Want the cookie? <laughs> and uh, what does it say on the box? Hands off. Is that was something? It says basically, do not touch. Do not touch. Do not touch. Do not touch. And so um, I got to tell you, I wouldn't be eating anything in that place. I don't care if it came wrapped in uh, cellophane. I'm not opening up and eating it in Teddy KGB's any, anywhere. For sure, that is not a sanitary looking mm. place. No. I want him to think that I'm pondering a call, but all I'm really thinking about is Vegas and the fucking Mirage. All right, you're 15, plus I have another 30, 33 to raise you. Um, yeah, I'm going to go all in because I don't think you got the space. You're right. I don't have spades. I know before the cards are even turned over. Who, Mike? <laughs> um, so we hear Mike go, "Okay, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go all in because I don't think you have the spades." And Malkovich goes, "Go right, I don't have spades." And, and David says, "I know what happened before the card scene over." And he goes, "Aces for Mike." <laughs> so Teddy wins, cleans him up. That's it. Mike's bankroll is all gone. So this this sets up a lot of things, sets up the whole whole movie. All this comes back later on. And now Mike is really out of options. He's got no money left. And his only friend is, at this point, is Kanish. Down to the felt, Kanish. I lost everything, man. I lost my case money. I lost my tuition. Happens to everyone. Time to time, everyone goes bust. You'll be back in the game before you know it. 
that. Well, they all say that first. Anyway, let me stake you. The standard deal, you know, 50% of your winnings, you lose, it's on me. I just throw it away. You still got the truck? And they meet in the alley. And John Turturro is there to pick him up. Which is, that's kind of a guy you want to pick you up, right? Yeah. Well, it's funny. There's one point where he asks, Mike asks him, you still have the truck? Which I right. thought meant, oh, can you give me a ride in the truck? No, <laughs> that's not what he meant. Right. He needs a job. He's going to be yeah. driving the truck now. Right. Exactly. And, he, and Kniff tries to, uh, if he tries to calm him down, he goes, time to time, everyone goes bust. He offers him a deal. Uh, I, I guess he offers him the standard deal, which we knew what this was, but he says uh, um, he'll stake him. Kanish will stake him the money. He'll take 50% of any winnings. Anything he loses, it's on him, which sounds like a pretty good deal mm-hmm. for Mike, but Mike says he's done. He's out. And he takes a job driving the truck that you mentioned for Kanish to make to get some real work. So now, are we supposed to think, you know, he goes back to, he dedicates himself to studying the law. <laughs> are we supposed to think he's actually, like, good at it? Because I, yeah, I, I think we are, right, until we aren't? Yeah, it comes up later where he's the lead counsel in their mock court that yeah. they put together. And it's like, why is he the lead counsel? He seems like the least qualified of everybody in this group to do this. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of it's very strange. And then we flash forward nine months. Now, I don't know why we flash forward nine months. It, it looks exactly the same. The yeah. time of year looks exactly the same, which it was. They shot it in January and February. Is, in it, New York. is it literally just so that you could see that he gave it up for nine months, that he was serious about it? He takes the jump yeah. of time and he, he hasn't played poker for nine months. So, ooh, you know, he's you know, if he does it for a week, you're like, yeah, he didn't quit. Shit. Yeah. That has to be the only reason. I think so. I think it shows that he's serious with uh, Gretchen and that, you know, nothing can derail is going to derail him from this until something derails him. So, but before we get to, to worm, there's a great line where uh, he talks about Steinbrenner. Let me ask you a question In, in a legal sense. Can fucking Steinbrenner just move the Yankees? Does he have the fucking right to just move them? I don't know. How should I know that? She didn't learn that yet? Oh, no. We get to Steinbrenner in the third year of law school. Oh. And that guy, I don't think I wrote him down, but it's a guy you see in, like, commercials all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lenny Vento? And what they wrote is, wants to know if Steinbrenner can move the Yankees. That was what I wrote <laughs> next to his name. Yeah. He's definitely a recognizable <laughs> guy. He's definitely a that guy. And Matt Damon's like, I don't know, how should I know that? And he goes, what, what you, you didn't learn that yet? <laughs> yeah, we got to the, that's uh, the fourth year of law school, Ken Steinbrenner moved the Yankees. Yeah, it's, right. It's we, don't a seminar. <laughs> we don't get to yet Steinbrenner to the third year of law school. So, uh, so Mike out of his, as he's working, you know, making his, making his route, he has to go see his law professor. And it's about this mock court that we were talking about. And, of course, his law professor is the great Martin Landau. Yes. 
One of, one of the one of my favorites, one of the best ever. Who had basically, but was this just after Ed Wood? I think it had to be. It had to be real close, either right after. Or, um, so I knew him either because I saw the movie either on a rewatch of the first times. Ah, it's Bella Lugosi. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, <laughs> Karloff, sidekick. Karloff is not fit to smell my sheet. So. That- <laughs> That'll be on the Ed Wood podcast, but Martin Landau. <laughs> and of course, Martin Landau, not only an amazing the, the man party with James Dean. The, this man has such an incredible history to him. And you want to talk about hair. Oh. That's a that's a pure helmet, that thing. Senate senatorial hair. So now you were making a point about so they, they go to the judges, the judges game. This is a card game, a yes. poker game played by judges. And you were making a point before we joined that we've kind of seen this scene it's in a, every podcast. It's a theme. Yeah, this is the fourth movie we've done. And in the right stuff, there was a smoky boardroom. In uh, Moneyball, there was the, the two different scenes where the scouts were sitting around the table. And then in Major League, it was also another scouts meeting. The famous, this guy here is dead. Well, scratch him off the list then. This is basically that. It's the same thing. It's a bunch of, in all the cases, it's a bunch of white guys sitting around a table. And it's, this is a, you know, we talk about that guys, you know, people that you, you like, oh, I know that guy. Like the guy, uh, it's because Steinbrenner really used the Yankees. You know, immediately know him, but you don't know who he is. This is a table full of that guys and Martin Landau. Well, the best of the, of the, uh, of the that guys is Tom Aldridge, who I had no idea that's what his name is, but he was Carmela Soprano's dad. Yeah. So, you know that you recognize him immediately. And then one of my favorites is a guy named Richard Maw. He played professor Eisen. And I know him because in the movie, nobody's fool with Paul Newman, one of my favorite movies of all time. Paul is divorced. And, Lives in the same little town, Bath, New York, as his ex-wife, but never sees her. You know, there's even a line in it where Dylan Walsh plays his son. He's like, um, he's like, well, you know, we weren't around. He's like, well, I was just, I was just across town. He's like, yeah, well, you might as well have been a million miles away. Well, he comes over, and his ex-wife's new husband is played by Richard Ma, and he clearly loves Sully. He just thinks he thinks Paul Newman is the coolest guy, which pisses his wife off to no end. That this degenerate <laughs> ex-husband of hers, who her who, who her new husband finds charming and thinks he's funny. So that's the only th- I as soon as I saw Richard Maw, I'm like, oh, I'm like it was the it was Leo DiCaprio in in the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You know, oh that guy, yeah, that guy. That I know that right. guy. <laughs> uh, the other guys, uh, there's a guy named Michael Lombard. He played D.A. Shields, District Attorney Shields. And he was on Law and Order forever. Um, there's a guy, kind of a taller. He's a guy I recognize immediately. Like if <clears throat> if uh, the Muppets were ever going to cast a live version, he would be Sam the Eagle. Yes. <laughs> His name is Beeson Carroll. He played Judge Kaplan. Um, he was in. He was in. He had a recurring role in Mash. I don't know what it was. He was in Barnaby yeah. Jones, and he was in One Day at a Time. Nice. And in the in the scene, I believe it's Michael Lombard accidentally calls him. He plays Judge Kaplan. And in the scene, one of the guys calls him Carol. He calls him by his real last name instead of his character's last name. And they Ooh, just left it in. That's nice. And then the last guy is a guy named um E. Matthew Yawn. 
No relation he, to E. Buzz Miller. Yeah. Yes. He was Professor Green, and the only credit of his that I would have any reason to, and I still couldn't picture him. He played, he played old Louis, in a flash forward episode of Louis, Louis C.K. Really? Yes. Okay. Nice. So yeah, that's the that's the group, and it's one of the. This is one of the most iconic scenes in the movie yes. because of what Matt Damon does. Right. So Matt Damon shows up and he he's in there for about five seconds. And all of a sudden he starts taking Matt, Martin Landau's chips, his checks and starts betting into the group. He starts raising all the other judges <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and they're all like, what the fuck's going on in here? One guy goes, you've seen half a hand. How are you betting into us? So he keeps raising, and Martin Lando kind of whispers to him, like, Michael, Michael, maybe we should just yeah. call. And he's like, no, no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> and so then uh, Carmelo Soprano's dad, you know, was like, you know, Judge Mariachi, who was like, clearly like the head, the, the main guy, I think, the most senior guy in this group. Yeah. What's the limit? $20. Big bet's $20. You've seen half the hand. How the fuck are you betting into us? You sure this is wise, Abe? It's your money the kid's betting with. That's plenty wise. We know what we're holding, and we know what you're holding. <laughs> the fuck you know what we all got? Summer clerkship in your office says I know what you're holding. I don't bet with jobs like that. Let's just say I'll put you at the top of the list if you're right. Okay. <clears throat> well... You were looking for that third three, but you forgot that Professor Green folded it on 4th Street, and now you're representing that you have it. Um, the DA made his two pair, but he knows they're no good. Judge Gaffin was trying to squeeze out a diamond flush, but he came up short, and Mr. Eisen is futilely hoping that his queens are going to stand up. So, like I said, the dean's bet is $20. Well, kiss my ass. <laughs> kiss my ass. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you have, man? Nothing but a busted straight. Oh, come on. Good enough to win. All right, kid, your first assignment. Pull up a seat next to me. I'd like to. I can't. I can't. I don't play cards. Get out of here. What'd you have? He goes, nothing but a busted straight. And and Matt Damon says, that's good. He barely hear it, but he says, that's good enough to win. Take it down. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a lot of of criticism of this movie in that um, too much of it relies on Matt Damon being this his you know his incredible ability to read other players and they're like you know right. what when you play really good players that only works so much they 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 are conscious of it they can stop it but I also know there are people who watch it more casual people who think it's bullshit don't think how could you possibly know based just simply on behavior and on what the the limited facts you have like all he could see was what the judge had. Right. He knows what he's got. He's standing over his shoulder. He can see his hand and from that. And he can see the cards, you know, in the middle of the table. Other than that, he has no clue what everybody else has. But he could tell by the way they bet or don't bet or even their body language when they get the next card that they didn't either did or they didn't get what they were looking for. And people think that's, that's crap. And this is a sad story about me, but <clears throat> we used to play this game at, uh, in college called Asshole. <laughs> it goes by a lot of names, but basically the idea is you, you, everybody sits around the table. You can play with a lot of people if you want. You all get cards, and the idea is to discard your card based on either you can – I don't even remember all the rules exactly. You can just – you can be in the same suit or the next number up, or you could get rid of pairs. The first person to get rid of all their cards is the president. 
The next okay. person out is the vice president. It goes all the way down to the last person is the asshole. And okay. you then sit in order from the president all the way down to the asshole. And so anybody on your right is lower than you, and you can make them do whatever you want. You can make them drink. <laughs> you can make them sing a song. make them do whatever. Okay. We played that game thousands of times in college <laughs> to the point where I got where I could tell what everybody else had. Uh-huh. And I would get to the point where I would never lose. It's the only flaw in that I could tell just simply by behavior. I could tell it would be their turn and I would see what they play. And I could tell if they hesitated that they're like, oh, I almost got the card I wanted. So I could figure out what I thought they had. The only problem is because it's a drinking game, sometimes people <laughs> would get so drunk that you could no longer reliably read them. They'd because lose their right, and they <laughs> yeah. weren't. They didn't even. They were playing the wrong cards at the wrong time. That's why <laughs> um, you'll see people like in Vegas, especially at a blackjack table, get really pissed at people that they're playing with if they make the wrong move because they're relying on you making right. the move that they think you should make. So they because they're trying to figure out what cards are left, and they get pissed. Right, right. And I would get pissed because you know my girlfriend or somebody else would play just throw a two out, and I'd be like, oh, that's now I don't know what the hell everybody else is doing. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a very low stakes ability that I had, but I, from that, I could tell, I, 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 I could, I could visualize what those, what you had to do to do that. Now, were, were your buddies ever onto that? Would they be like, how come you're always winning? What the fuck? Yeah, but there's nothing you do about it. Okay. So, but they knew, they knew that you had something. Yeah, Cause I would also be an asshole and tell them. Sometimes <laughs> I would tell them what they were going to play. Cause they'd be talking. I'm like, would you just play the, play the four of Kings? Or the, the, the four hearts. Just play the four hearts. You got it. You need to play it. They'll be like, and they just throw it down. Like, okay, fine. And they knew they were at my mercy. Right. Well, and that, that, and that's one of the things about going back to 1998, everybody thinking poker is a game of luck. And one of the themes of this movie is it's not a game of luck at all at the highest level. It's a game of skill. I guess I can understand what people are saying. There's only because it happened so fast. I mean, you know, Matt Damon's in that room for 30 seconds before he starts, you know, telling everybody what they had. But, you know, it's a it's a movie. It's not a documentary. So we yeah, they have to kind of keep things moving along. Well, and it seems so unbelievable that the people who like that level of card player, the very casual, that they would be easier to read. I think the criticism came like when he's playing people who are doing this for serious money. Yeah. Like, could he really read that stuff? But I would think in the judges game, they're, they're sitting ducks for him. Pretty easy. Yeah. 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 Pretty easy game. So he leaves there. He's impressed the hell out of Martin Landau. He's impressed the hell out of Mariachi, the head judge. He's impressed the whole table. So he's kind of, he's kind of feeling, he's feeling pretty good. And, um, and then we see him drive his truck to his apartment with Gretchen Mall. And the thing that strikes me about this apartment, it's a really nice apartment. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really nice apartment for Manhattan and New York and two law students. Like, wait, wait a minute. How are they? Yeah, it's, the, it's the friend's apartment of movies. It's yes. way too big and way too nice for what these for two law students. So you're left then way with the opinion nice. that she must be she must come from money. Yes. But then that gets blown out of the water because later in the movie, when she gets mad at him, she leaves. She doesn't kick him out. She leaves. Right. Meaning right. that it wasn't her apartment. Exactly. 
So it's either their apartment, and now he's screwed because he's got to pay the rent on his own, or he was somehow whatever whatever Kanish put in that truck. Yeah. He was making enough money delivering it that they could afford a really nice apartment in New York. Yeah, yeah. So that was a little – okay. Therefore, to go to, to go to city law school, right. which is actually right. – was filmed at Rutgers. And at one point – they they take the care to put a to hang a city law school sign. Mm-hmm. They dress it up, but then the camera must pan back a little too far, and there's a Rutgers University sign that ends up in the shot with it. Nice. Well, and Tony Tony Soprano because he had a semester and a half at Rutgers, as we as that's we right. That's right. <laughs> no, I got it. There's a lot. This, this movie is so well written. It's so brilliant. But there, there's a weird exchange in this apartment between he and Gretchen Mall. He's basically saying he's asking for sex and he says something like, it'll be really quick. You won't feel a thing. And she goes, well, we both know that's not true. I'm like, no, come on. So maybe Matt Damon insisted on that. I don't know. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Or maybe that's what Gretchen used to get more scenes. She got mad on her side. He's like, we should put her in the movie more. Got to write, got to write, got to write some sides for her. (laughs) So he tells Gretchen that he's he's hooked up for a summer clerkship and she's like how'd you do that and he tells her about the card game and she is not happy about this card game she's like so you were playing cards with some judge all night and he's like no 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 no. I was networking which you know she laughs at as being bullshit which which it is but we get the we we are but we are absolutely getting the sense of what now of what happened of the damage that might cause nine months earlier when he lost his three stacks of high society, right? Yeah, and then she apparently had to start paying the rent on their fabulous apartment. And <laughs> their awesome apartment, yeah. So but, we've got some tension here. Going, but doesn't yeah. it sound like had he not lost the money that he was, he would be gone? He was going yeah. to Vegas. He wasn't taking her. He was going. That so was the idea, If right? she's That's so in love with him, knows. the fact that he lost yeah. the money is the reason he's still there. So, yes, absolutely true. Yes. Right. He, he's walking into Teddy KGB so he can get the stake to yeah. play in Vegas. Yeah. So, yeah. He wasn't even swinging by the apartment for one last, you know, quick and painless. He was he, he was going to Vegas. Right. He was going to Vegas. He was getting in the car and going airport, which in New York, that's not specific enough. Right. Can you just get in a cab and go take me to the airport? And they just pick yeah. one for you? Is that how it works? <laughs> Do you have a preference? Right. No. All right, good. All right, fantastic. We'll take you to the farthest one then since we're playing. <laughs> yep. Ooh, a lot of and good so, flights out of Philly these days. <laughs> uh, so now, back to your theme about is, does she have a lot of money um, or, or not? Now, he asks to borrow the Jeep, right? Because so to borrow her Jeep. And he needs it to go pick up Worm in prison. So I don't know. So she has the Jeep at least. Yeah. So which Worm was very impressed by. When Worm, he sees you, you've been prospering. Yeah. So we get to so the next scene is Worm in prison, and and they use the the voiceover to kind of tell their history about how they were the only kids at this fancy private school growing up who didn't have a trust fund, and and we see Worm playing with the other uh, the inmates, and he's got this this. He's got this stupid goatee on. Yes. And I say on, it, it is actually a, a, a prosthetic. So it's a fake goatee that he has on. That he actually shaves. 
a few minutes later, which yeah. is funny. Well, it's it might not have been a prosthetic. Maybe I, it's, they said they said it was in oh, the they did? because in, one of the things the, was the concert, in yeah. this scene, his hair is shorter than it is in the rest of the movie, and he's got the goatee because he had just finished American History X, mm. and he had shaved his head for that. So this was all the hair that had grown back. And they made it sound in the movie, which can't be wrong. It was on the internet in the movie facts that that's yeah. when they actually shaved the goatee off. Okay. That he was still rocking it until he saved it for the first scene. Well, but it, they either also, way, they don't, yeah. they, they don't tell you if they had to shoot this part out of order because it kind of sounds like they shot it. Like they had wrapped him, but they brought it back and actually maybe decided to show him in the prison instead of just walking out. So they may have added it. I don't know. Either they did it really early and his hair grew for the rest of the movie, or he had already gone and done American History X, and they're like, hey, Ed, we need you to you know, pretend you're in prison again. Yeah, and I can't remember what that is. I mean, a movie like this is – they're always shot out of order. Um, and what you're talking about there is called is an insert or a pickup, like, oh, shoot, we need a scene that does this. Let's get everybody back, even though we've wrapped principal photography and shoot this but you know malkovich they had on for a week and ed norton they didn't have him the whole time either and that's true and martin landau of course so you, you kind of you work right you shoot these guys when they're available to you I, one thing i didn't think of it one thing that you could probably tell is that if it was later he'd be bigger because he had to beef up for american history x and he right. there are scenes and rounds where he is still skinny ed norton like when he's oh, playing yeah. basketball in, the, when he's hiding in the church, playing yeah. basketball. He weighs 150 pounds. You're right. So that's right. got to be pre-American History X. Right. He's, so he's, I guess the way to tell is if you think he looks big in the in the throwaway uh, prison scene at the beginning, then they would have shot it probably considerably later. Like almost wrapped up the movie and went, "Hey, Ed's Ed's been wearing orange lately. Could you do one more scene for us?" Could be. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he does look like Ed. He, he looks like Zach Davies most of, most of the film. Yeah, good wind will take him right into the street. <laughs> um, we uh, one of the things I learned in the DVD is these uh, these are all Ed's clothes. Ed brought his own clothes here, um, and you notice so, so they're playing they're playing uh, for cigarette. You ain't walking out of here with a grits one, but you know the drill, okay? Come on, I'm not gonna smoke them. I'll hold on to them. If you want them back, you can trade me for them or try to play double or nothing tomorrow. Murphy. What the hell are you sitting there for? Your process. Come on. Process? This motherfucker's getting a job. Come on, man. Have some decency here, Worm. You can buy the smokes you want in a half an hour. What the fuck are you talking about? I just won these fair and square. You don't even smoke, Worm. <sighs> Jesus. You guys are such fucking babies. You know that? If you're determined to die of cancer, you really ought to learn how to play cards. And he does leave some. Yep. But then we see him a few minutes later. He throws just a pile of cigarettes into the garbage can, which is very uh, revealing about who Worm is as a character. Yeah. Right. He's pretty much a dick and he doesn't really think all that well too, because there could have been some advantage in, in leaving the cigarettes, but he didn't do it. Well, and in the, in the script, Worm was a smoker and Norton wouldn't do it. That's right. He's not he a smoker, a- so he refused to smoke. So I almost wonder if they added the, him ad, literally tossing the cigarettes away for Ed. Well, I, th- I think it was Ed's idea, but Ed's also idea was that he was a toothpick guy. 
So remember when he's getting, he's checking out of prison, they're giving him all his yeah. clothes and stuff. There's he's m- like, where's the rest? <laughs> and it's one sad little toothpick in a, pla- in a, in a little uh, Ziploc baggie. Right, right. That, uh, that's his toothpick. It kind of reminded me of the Blues Brothers. You know? <laughs> the cold. One condom. <laughs> yeah. Unused, one soiled. Frank Oz handing it to him. <laughs> so Mike's there to pick him up. And they're in the car, and he's like, as you said, he's like, oh, look at the ride. You've been prospering. And he's like, I borrowed it. Um, and he's talking, Worm's telling him about how he's been playing cards. He keeps himself alive. You've got to understand there's like two whole economies in there. There's cash and there's trade. So i got to keep three games going at once, all right? got a game with the white guys, a game with the brothers, and a game with the guards. And the trick is i gotta, I got to take enough cash off the white guys to lose it to the guards so that they, like, you know, keep doing me favors and shit. But I gotta, I gotta trim enough smokes off the black guys that I can trade and keep myself, you know, in the style that I've grown accustomed to, and and all of this without getting my ass kicked. Well, so you're you're working with a partner? No, who, who the hell am I gonna trust in there? I mean, it's you know, it's just me. Wait, all what's alone. this? Come here, come here, come here. You like that? What is that? Isn't that beautiful? It's like an ace up my sleeve. What else? You wait, you wait till I show you some of my chops, man. I mean, I've gotten pretty blinding. It's like, it's like, you know. I mean, all right. Yeah, all right. yeah. It's gonna blow your mind. Blow your mind. How about? You've been working? Is your game sharp? No, I mean, I'm, I'm off it. What are you, you're getting cold cards? No, man, I mean, I, I, I quit. <laughs> I, what, are you shitting me? No, man, I... Uh, I got cleaned up. Mike McD, you lost? Yeah, man, what? I, It was a real blood game over at KGB's place. You sat down with the mad Russian and he emptied your pockets? Yeah. Oh. I didn't want to tell you, man, when you were in there, man. I didn't want to dispirit you like that. Oh, Jesus. What are you thinking? What are you, so what are you, you're just a student now? What are you doing for money? Well, I'm driving a Kanisha's truck. Oh, God, you're killing me. He's a, and he asked him, it's kind of a weird interchange. I thought he's like, uh, how's your game? You sharp? And he's, and Mike's like, no, I, I'm, I'm off it. Like it's a drug. Yeah. It was kind of a weird term, a weird, weird, weird way to say it. So there, so Worm, we, we, uh, you know, uh, we, we learned pretty quickly Worm's got, He's even though he's out of prison, he's already like he thinks he's ten grand in debt um, from his previous exploits. So he's got to get he's got to start making some money. Yeah, and he owes it to people all over, and he runs gets all the rundown over. of all the people he's got, which he's going to use to his advantage because he can stall one while he pays another, and he can do whatever he's got. You know, he's been scheming for months in yes. prison. Exactly. Yeah, Worm's got this is not a, I mean, it's a problem, but it's not Worm could figure this out. Yeah, I'll pay this guy. That'll keep that guy off my back, all this stuff. So he wants Mike to, uh, you know, be his old running partner again, where they basically go and kind of, you know, cut up card games by cheating. And uh, so they, they drive to a uh, the trust fund baby card game. <laughs> and uh, they're sitting in the car outside and, and a funny and. He's like, uh, Worm is like, uh, you know, you know that feeling. You've got, uh, you're at a restaurant. You've got the knife, you know, you've, you've got the fork, the knife. You got everything but the steak. And Mike gives him. Now, Worm's expecting him to give him like five hundred thousand bucks. Mike cobbles together everything in his pocket, and it's two hundred twenty dollars. Yeah. And he's like, uh, you know, oh, I learned later too that while they were filming this, Mike and Ed. Mike and Ed. Um, Ed, Ed and Matt were going back and forth. They were doing movie quotes. They were playing um, all night long in the car over one particular movie. They were saying, who could say, who could say the quotes for this particular movie? 
perfectly. They both love this movie, and that's how they spent the entire night while they were filming it, just going back and forth. Any idea what that movie is? I will tell you. It's. I will tell you. It stars Robert De Niro. Um. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be great if it was Meet the Parents. That would be great. <laughs> before that time, right? So before Meet the Parents, Taxi Driver. It also stars Charles Grodin. Oh, Midnight Run. Midnight oh, Run. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Great movie. Yep. Great movie. So, uh, so he drops Worm off, and uh, Mike drives away in his car. Matt Damon drives away in his car, and we see him turn back around, and he walks into this house, and this is this beautiful, you know, house. Um, and I guess one of the writers, uh, I think one of the writers went to Tufts, and and he said that when they were in school, they used to go to Harvard and, and do basically the same thing, go to one of these big fancy houses, and and uh, you know play these guys. So Mike comes, shows up at the house, and um, and he's met by Barbara, who gets who's the who's the who's the woman who got Worm into the game, right? And she says, "Oh, Worm said you'd be running a little late." And uh, she's like, and Mike's or Matt's like, no, I, I don't really pay, play cards. And we learned she, she's like, bullshit. That's exactly what you do. So she's completely in on this con. And she's like, my cut is 25%. Matt goes, I see. No. <laughs> and that actress is Melina Kinkaritis. Is that how you say her name? Okay. She, was on, she was on Providence and CSI New York. Yeah, it's kind of a uh, if you couldn't get Andy McDowell, you got Melina Kankaritis because you got basically the same hair. Fair. Yes. Very recognizable actress. Actually, when I first saw the movie, I thought she was. Um, God, why can't I think of the actress's name? Um, she played in the in the first in the pilot episode of West Wing. She was the prostitute. Oh, that, yeah. Um, right, right. The Rob Lowe, the Sam Seaborn accident sleeps with. It doesn't know she's a prostitute. Right, right. And isn't that, isn't that where he goes, oh, POTUS is calling me? Yes. And she's like, what's POTUS? Yeah. Yes. And then he realized later that until then, the term POTUS was not typically used outside of the Secret Service. It was just right. a little code. And now everybody calls the president POTUS. It was even on exactly. Sirius XM channel called POTUS. <laughs> That's right. There you go. Another example of Hollywood kind of bringing us under the culture right there. So he shows up, um, Worm is at the table, and, and he has a great line. He's like, we go into our old routine, like Clyde Frazier and Pearl Monroe. And they're just blatantly cheating in this particular game. Yep. They don't care. It's like we're hand signaling, um, trapping. The old, he says at one point, we, do the old, we even do the old best hand play, whatever that is. And the, 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 uh, the shot is, is that Matt Damon's winning all the hands. Worm is losing all the hands. So he's the big loser at the table, and Mike's the big winner. Right. And it works because he's, he's the perfect sad sack. He's actually distracting. Sorry. Instead of them focused on how come, this, how come Pretty Boy here is winning everything, they're actually distracted by the fact that poor loser Worm is, you know, they're, they're like, you know, it's like they're they're focused, feeling sorry for him instead of realizing that the his the guy who came and showed up at the same time he did is magically yeah. winning all the hands. Right, right. And now I have a question about this too. So we see Matt in the car give away all, give 
all of his money to Worm. But then when he shows up at the game at the table, he's pulling out another, you know, whatever it is, 100 bucks. So wh- where did that come from? Well, he had to keep a little something. He couldn't give it all. He couldn't give every penny to Worm. He knows Worm. He's known him since he was a kid. I mean, and even there's a narration right before, right? We, right before he picks him up at the prison where he basically talks about how Worm took the fall yes. for him and a couple of other guys and um, refused to rat them out. And he... Uh, he got in trouble. They didn't. And he's always felt kind of beholden, you know, to him since then. But at the same time, he knows it. Worm's dad did the grounds when he wasn't too fucking drunk. That's when we did him. Of course, the grounds weren't all we did. Worm put us into a scam a day on all the young aristocrats we went to school with, selling them dime bags of oregano, nunchucks, and firecrackers from Chinatown. Where's the rest? Kept us in lunch money. Until the time we went for more than just pocket change and got caught. We had the starting five take a dive against Friends Academy. The point guard snapped and gave warm up. They hauled him up before the school board offered him a deal. Tell us who else was involved and we'll go easy on you. Worm didn't say a fucking word. Got himself expelled. I stayed in school and graduated. Not many guys that stand up for a friend like that. And if he's going to give him his last 200 bucks, he really needs to have 100 set aside for himself because he's never going to see that 200 bucks again. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and it's interesting because one of, the, one of the themes in this movie is about debt and owing people, right? So Matt owes – Matt's in law school because of Worm, basically. Yes. He couldn't have been otherwise. And Martin Landau tells a story later, which we'll get to, where, um, you know, where, where Martin Landau's character feels he owes for something uh, as well. So yeah, that's one of the recurring themes in here is is debt and paying down your debt. Um, even if you're not paying it directly, there, there's a responsibility. Clearly, there's a responsibility that Matt Damon feels towards yeah. towards so that door. I would say there's a there's a somewhere there's a Snyder cut of this movie where Damon is going to law school to become a lawyer to get Worm out. <laughs> right. Like, we have to sit through that whole thing. We have to get him all the way through law school so he can end up back in the courtroom and get his buddy out, and then they can start the rest of the movie. Right, right. Well, and there's also the theme of, like, you know, everybody has this, like, destructive friend, right? This guy who is, like, we can all relate to it, right? There's this guy that this guy is always messing stuff up, but you know, in a long time, you're like brothers. And this guy is kind of an albatross. And that's absolutely who, because you could see like uh, on the one hand, Matt Damon is trying to have this perfect sort of legitimate life, right? With the law school and the girlfriend and the whole thing. And this very establishment life. And then he's got his sort of, you know, outlaw life that he could go to with, with worm. And he's kind of torn between these two things. Yeah, and there's even like they gave him the perfect name. Like who who would live with the nickname Worm? Well, if your name is Lester. Yeah. It's probably better to go by Worm. I mean, if you, maybe if you're Dennis Rodman, yeah. you know, you you begrudgingly become the Worm, but if you're Lester Murphy, you're more than happy to let people call you Worm. Yeah. Absolutely. So they win 1200 bucks 
because the only reason we know that is because she, she, they give her Barbara 300 bucks and we know her cut was 25%. Yep. And Oh, before we go, oh, Ed Norton, Ed Norton had a lot of great ad libs in this thing. And one, one of them is, well, my uncle Les says when the money's gone, it's time to move on. So enjoy it. You secret handshake assholes. They're out in the, in the, uh, outside of the house. Hey, how'd you know I was coming back? That's easy. Who's your favorite actor? Clint Eastwood. The outlaw Josie Wales, man, the man with no name. He always doubles back for a friend. So what are the first, again, what are these movie lines now that we see in Billions a lot kind of coming up then? All right, so they go to the city the next day, and they go to this underground card game, and uh, it's, it's I think it's the Chesterfield, Chesterfield, right? yep. Yes. And that's where uh, it's a kind of, it's not as bad as, as KGB's, but it's not a place you want to mess around with either. And so he walks in, and we meet Petra, who is the beautiful Famke Jonsson. Am I saying that right? Do you think? Yeah, I think. Of, I, I think. The, I think when she became an X Men, they shortened. They just people started calling her Famke Jansen, but there's no way that's really how you say her name. No. <laughs> right. She was Jean Grey for those uh, for people who like superhero movies. It's Jean Grey. Right. There you go, Jean Grey. And uh, he introduced her. He says, "It's my friend uh, Les uh, Les Murphy," and he, and he goes, "Call me Worm." And she goes, don't wiggle away. <laughs> Mike makes the introduction for Worm. He leaves. And he goes, uh, okay, uh, come on, g- g- give me 2000 And she looks at him and goes, on the finger? He goes, here, Mike, he's good for it. He's gonna, I'm going to triple that in a half an hour, princess. Let's go. So she gives him the two grand, and Worm goes off to play. There's a couple of great lines. This is kind of, there's a lot of great lines in this. Um, but before we, before they come back, we go to, uh, we go to Mike's apartment next. It's the next scene. So Matt Damon shows up. Oh yeah. Gretchen Maul's clearly not happy. And she's like reunion run a little late. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and he tries to play it off. She's like, you know, come on, give me a story. Tell me you were, you know, tell me you were at score. Tell me this, tell me that he goes. And he goes, I'm, I was entertaining worm. And she goes, so you were nowhere near a card game. And, of course, he lies and, and says, no, I was nowhere near a card game. Of course not. So he showers. And for big, such a great poker player, there are some things like, you know, you think he might cover his tracks a little yeah. bit. He does not take the bankroll out of his pocket. No. Right? Well, and it gets worse. So she digs through his pants. She finds the money. While he's in the shower, she leaves it on, you know, like in front of the medicine cabinet. She just leaves yeah. it there. Right. And then later on, she calls him on it, and he's shocked that she knew. But his, when he went to shave, his money was sitting there. Like, did, right. did he think he put it there? <laughs> did he forget that? Yeah. Oh, more money. Like, no, it's the same. Right. Right. Um, then we go to this to their their law school this is the the, the their group uh, uh preparing their case right for this mock court or moot court what do they call it mock i think mock court mock trial so he uh so they're doing this and then immediately Kanish shows up Kanish always shows up <laughs> always at the most uh 
inopportune or opportune times, I guess. So now is this the scene he brings him out and they're literally standing in front of it's either a poster or it's the side of a cart where while Kanish is talking to Mike, you read the word Kanish. Did you notice yeah. that? Yes, yes, exactly. Right. It's like, well, you couldn't put a name tag on him? I mean, do we really need it beaten into our head that much? Right. <laughs> so he tells them, you know, Worm is there ruining your reputation at the Chesterfield and blah, blah, blah. But it's kind of weird. He's, so Mike's like, okay, I'm going to go get him. And then he goes, uh, no, 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 he's fine now. But if these two other gangsters show up, then it's going to be a problem. So it's kind of a you know it's kind of a weird weird way to frame that up for him. But anyhow, Matt Damon goes run into the Chesterfield right to to go save Worm. And we see Worm is now play is the, these two guys that Kanish is warning about Roman and Maurice. Yes, it, the, the names you would expect Russian mobsters to have yes. Roman and Maurice. <laughs> and do you know who Maurice is? The actor? Yes. I do not. Goran Viznich who uh, was on ER for many years. Oh, nice. Yes. Excellent. And so then we see Worm there, and, and the two guys are speaking Russian, and and, uh, and Worm's like... Hey, guys, English only at the table, no Russian. What are you talking about? What am I talking about? If you want to see this seventh card, you're going to stop speaking fucking Sputnik. You understand? Oh, dumb motherfucker. Don't worry, we might work together. Yeah, I'm sure you're just talking about pierogies and snow and shit, but let's cut it out, all right? There's the river, down and dirty. <laughs> that was at a Norton Athlete. Mike shows up, and uh, he's like, uh, hey, can I see you for a second, cosmonaut? <laughs> and so he, uh, he takes Worm outside, right? You know, we see him as Worm's leaving the table. He's got a bunch of chips in front of him, and he's like, "Hey, I counted these." And and Mike says, "Leave it; it's fine." So there there is a code in there, right? That they're yeah. not they're not going to steal your money. So they go out on the street, and they find a hot dog cart. And Ed Norton is eating this hot dog. Now he he said when they were shooting this, he had to eat like seventeen hot dogs. <laughs> of course, he was Joey <laughs> Chestnut. Right. And he's like, as you're watching the film, you notice I'm taking smaller and smaller <laughs> bites. Because it's, <hot> <laughs> it's also like 17 degrees outside and, and he's eating these, this, this hot dog. And, uh, and so now we get into a little bit of, of uh, we get into a, philo- a philosophical difference between Worm and Kanish. Right. Because because two, those two guys hate each other. Kanish and Worm hate each other. Because Worm thinks Kanish is just this working stiff you know, who doesn't have the balls to play anything out. And Kanish thinks Worm is just this terrible influence, which he is. And they're both pulling on Mike, right? Trying to take him to, to, to his way of thinking. <laughs> so he's like, look, you got to, Mike's like, look, you got to lose your money to these guys. They're, our, they're Russian outfit guys. <laughs> and he got, and Ed Gores and uh, Ed Norton goes, what those f- fucking fake Versace shirts and shit? <laughs> Uh, so anyhow, Mike tells him he's to dump his money. He says, fine, I'll do it. Make it look good. Yeah, I'll make it look good. And then a few minutes later, we go back, and Worm is cashing out now, right? Yep. And he's cashing out. And he's got $10,000 he's cashing out. So he did not go dump to these guys. He did not. And uh, Fomke... Yunsen is like, okay, I'll, 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 we'll take back the two grand we lent you and uh, just 
uh, we'll, we'll give you back the white, or we'll take the white meat, give you back the two grand uh, we lent you. And he's like, no, why don't you give it all to me? Now, is there that much of a difference at that point between eight grand and 10 grand that he has? No, to... he's, he, he's, he's being, he's just being greedy. And he, he clearly doesn't give a shit that now he's basically taking Mike's money. Right. Because the two grand is just supposed to go back to make Mike square. That's it. And instead, and honestly, it's, um, Petra shouldn't let him do it. No, she shouldn't have. No. But it, other but, than the fact that it, it moves the plot, it makes no sense that well, if she's, she a, hard, if she's a hard ass, she's like, no, that's not yours to take. Here's your eight. Get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. But she gives it all to him. And she does charge the juice at five points a week. So it, it's an extra hundred yeah. bucks a week on Mike. So there's that reason. Uh, but it didn't make sense to, to take that kind of a, to, to do that to Mike at that point. No. Let's see. He, we go. Then we see Mike and Gretchen uh, Mall at the bar. Walking all over for you. Didn't want to be found. You know, Petrovsky waited and waited. So did the Joe, rest of the group. Look, I missed one meeting. You know, it's not about the meeting. I don't care about the meeting. Do you even know why I left this morning? I found that gangster's role in your pocket. Honey, it's not what you think. <laughs> it's not what you think. Who do you think I am? You lie right to my face? Old days, at least you never lied. You lost everything, but at least you never lied. Joe, this wasn't even a real game. This was like wiffle ball. Can you lose your rent playing No, I couldn't lose. That's the point. No, Mike, you can lose. All right, I watched you. I stood by you while you lost everything before, and I don't think Joe, I can go through that. I wasn't going to lose. Why, why does this still seem like gambling to you? I mean, why do you think the same five guys make it to the final table at the World Series of Poker every single year? What are they, the luckiest guys in Las Vegas? It's a skill game, Joe. Great. So why'd you have to lie to me? Because I knew you wouldn't understand. Understand what? Last night I sat down at this card table. I felt alive for the first time since I got busted at KGB's joint, okay? You just told me you felt alive for the first time at a fucking card table. No, but... What's that supposed to make me understand? And basically the thing here is yeah, they have a conversation out in the street and he's just like, she's like, I, I don't understand this. This is gambling. He's like, no, it's a skill game. It's not gambling. Why do you think the same five guys end up at the World Series of Poker every year? And she's like, why are you doing this? And he's like, well, I, I felt alive for the first time since I, <laughs> since I went bust. <laughs> just what a woman wants to hear. What a charmer. I was, I was not with you and I was doing something you would, wouldn't want me to do. And I've never felt so alive. Yeah. <laughs> and really, it's a continuation of the conversation they had about when she found out he was with the judges because um, she basically says, oh, we talked about how we were going to use your poker skills in the courtroom, but not like this. Right. Exactly. And, and she, she is clearly not happy with this conversation. So things are really going. She's down like, it's bad election. enough that you got the same haircut I got. <laughs> but now you're going back to gambling and I just don't think I can take it anymore. Right. So next we go to Billy's topless, which was an actual place in New York. It actually did exist. It doesn't anymore. Uh, and that's where we meet grandma, grandma, another Sopranos connection played by the great, you know, who plays grandma, Michael Raspoli, Jackie, great. Yes, Jackie April, Jackie Senior. And Grandma without a D. G R A N M A. Right. Two M's. Not no, Grandma. Two M's. 
grandma. Grandma. And he and is so gr- he is a scumbag. And it's in a glorious way. He embraces his scumbaggedness. Scumbaggery. Scumbaggery. Yes, he is definitely a, a guy you do not want to mess with. Consolidated your outstanding debt. Where'd you get the scratch for that? You've been rolling fags in the village again. Still a wise ass, unbelievable. What I did was go partners with an old friend of yours. Teddy KGB backed me. Bullshit. Bullshit. Teddy's got plenty of goons. Why would he put you under his flag? Because as soon as he heard your name, he became real excited for the prospect. What, so you bought me up, Grandma? Yeah. Got a real sweet deal, too. 30 cents on a dollar. There's not a lot of faith in you out there in the business community. <laughs> what, what? Didn't Grandma... I, Grandma told him he bought it up 30 cents on the dollar? 30 cents, yes. And he's still going to... Right, but he's still <laughs> going to charge him 25 grand. Right. Not a lot of faith in you in the business community. Yeah. Right, he's still going to charge him twenty five grand. So he gives him this news. He beats him up in the bathroom, and he lets him know that uh, Teddy KGB is now backing him. So now Teddy KGB, the man who can really ruin all of their lives, is now is now the guy who who worm owes the money to. Yeah, I I, I love the scene where uh, Matt Damon and Martin Landau have this conversation in the bar. Do you like this scene? Yes. So this is the scene where they where they drink cheap gin, and if you watch, Martin Landau is smoking, and yes. the cigarette switches from his right to left hand completely haphazardly whenever they cut back to him. Not a lot of continuity. Nice. Right. Yes. And I love it that the, he's got the full bottle of gin on the table. He's not ordering gins. He's just got a bottle. Yes. And he asked for a glass. Yep. Bring me another glass. May I tell you a story? For generations, men of my family have been rabbis. In Israel, before that in Europe, it was to be my calling. I was quite a prodigy, uh, the pride of my yeshiva. The elders said I had a 40-year-old's understanding of the Midrash by the time I was 12. But by the time I was 13, I knew I could never be a rabbi. 
Why not? Because for all I understood of the Talmud, I never saw God there. Couldn't lie to yourself. I tried. Well, I tried like crazy. I mean, people were counting on me. But yours is a, a respectable profession. Not to my family. My parents were destroyed, devastated by my decision. My father sent me away to New York to live with distant cousins. Eventually, I, I, I found my place, my life's work. What then? Well, I immersed myself fully. I studied the minutiae. I learned everything I could about the law. I mean, I felt deeply inside that it was what I was born to do. Did your parents get over it? No. I always hoped that I would find some way to change their minds, but they were inconsolable. My father never spoke to me again. If you had to do it all over again, would you make the same choices? Choice. Or did you like this this story? Yes, but I came from the the long line of rabbis. Rabbi? Right. Rabbis? Yes. What's the what's the plural of rabbi? Rabbi? Hmm. Let's go with rabbi, yeah. And so this this whole thing is kind of kind of in a way giving Mike permission to be a poker player. Yes. It can't be accidental. It's not like he's just telling the story and Mike takes it that way. I mean he's basically giving him permission. To do it, yeah. Which, on a subsequent viewing, maybe you don't notice on the first one. That's when you start to think, hmm, maybe he's not that good of a law student. <laughs> if his right. mentor is like, you know, maybe, maybe you should follow your dream. Yeah, yeah. This law shit words. is not for you, Mike. <laughs> I got two words for you, Mike. Pizza delivery <laughs> might be in your future. And um, so, yeah, he tells this whole story about how he was sent away as a kid, and 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 uh, and, and the, the the sort of the, the the key to that scene is like, is he are you are you happy with the choice you made? And Martin Lando says, "What choice?" Did he say he was sent off to live with distant cousins? Was that distant the, cousins? Distant yes. cousins. That's not good. That's not right. Didn't send him to live with grandma. Not no. not grandma. Not, not like even grandma. They sent him to distant cousins. Not even cousins. Distant, distant. cousins. Yep. Like these cousins wanted nothing to do with them. All right. So now we go back to the to the apartment, and what and what do we find here? To Mike's apartment. Uh, we find no more, no more Joe. We find the right. So Joe is gone. The swanky apartment is now uh, without the the hot but somewhat of a wet blanket girlfriend. Maybe not somewhat. Maybe complete wet blanket girlfriend. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem all that torn up about it. He doesn't. Maybe for a minute, and then he's like, eh. 
I can watch whatever the fuck I want on TV now. I can put in my <laughs> tape of the uh, of Johnny <laughs> Chan for the four thousandth time. <laughs> right. Um, and, and oh, before they go in, um, Worm is waiting for him outside the apartment. Oh yeah. And um, and 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 he says, uh, and he's all beat up, and so. And uh, Mike says, "Like, well, what happened?" And, and he and he goes, "This is this is a movie quote." Now I'm going to quiz you, see if you know this. Hey, hey, where you been? I've been freezing my ass off. What happened? I ran into a door. Don't worry about it. What happened? Hey, she crossed her legs too fast. All right, just mind your own business. He goes. He's like, "What happened?" She goes, "Hey, she crossed her legs too fast." It's Chinatown. Oh, China. That's very good. Yes. And then the other, another interesting thing about it is he's standing, and you see it because he's, they show him standing there for a little while. In letters on the glass behind him, it says, no Enus. N-O-E-N-U-S. And it's suppo- you're supposed to realize that it said no menus, but it's been there so long that the M has fallen off. But as people like to point out on the internet, the, the N and no and the E and Enus are right over each other. And that would not be how any rational person would have either would have centered no menus. So it's right. very clear they just gave it to some, you know, guy put this on the window and he did and just lined it right up. Because <laughs> I literally I Googled. I'm like, what is no enus? What is that? Yeah, that's got to be some kind of deep. Oh, they must have put this is probably Latin for something. No, right. No menus yeah. without the end. It's like Amos Catulli or something. And they. Yeah. On the rooftops, yeah. So he, so they go in the apartment. You know, we find out Joe is gone. She's taken all the. He's like, well, he goes, Mike. She, she took your sheets, and uh, he gives this line. That, you know, in the poker game of, he goes, you domesticated yourself for this. <laughs> Worm is very offended by what's happened, and he goes, it's like the saying in the poker game of life, women are the rake. Just like the saying says, you know, in the poker game of life, women are the rake. They are the fucking rake. The fuck are you talking about? What, what's saying? I don't know. There ought to be one. And that's like, what's saying? There, there's no saying. That's not a thing. That's not a thing at all. And he says, you know what cheers me up? What? He's like, you know, roll up aces over kings. You know, taking huge stacks off of checks off of stacks of checks off of tourists and blah, 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 blah. And you can see Mike softening and Worm's like... And he's like, come on, let's play some cards. He's like, don't tease me. Come on, let's play some fucking cards. And they are off to, now the gang is back together, right? The Trump Taj Mahal. Yes. Oh, <laughs> and it's just, it's such a seedy, scummy hotel. You know, hotel. You could, you could just see why it went bankrupt. You can't bankrupt a casino. Donald Trump could. And just the, the faux luxury is just dripping off the place. You can like, feel it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there's an incredible incredible amount of that guys in that when they sit down when they first get there because somebody's like what right. is this what are we at the Chesterfield South right because they see everybody that they know which <laughs> includes Zero Mustel's son Josh nice yeah they're all com- or a lot of, there's a lot of comics at that table yes Lenny Clark Alan Havey yeah, yeah. Lenny's in it earlier too He's at he's he at Teddy's when Mike loses. I think he is. Uh, he might be, yeah. And I think he doesn't say anything, 
So I, I was like, is that, is that Lenny Clark? And then once he talks, it's over. Right. Nobody sounds like Lenny Clark. So you know what's Lenny. And so they do a montage of different tours <laughs> showing up. And did you know that the writers have a cameo yes. here? Well, I know that uh, Koppelman <laughs> is smoking. And when Mike is explaining yep. tells, that's his tell. That's exactly that right. Yes. Right. Right. And David is also like uh, he's, he's doing a facial tick. So he's got a mustache. So, yeah, both of the writers are there when when Matt Damon is, is explaining what tells are. Uh, also at this table, for some reason, is Famke Jensen. I'm mm-hmm. not sure why she's there. She certainly does not. She looks out of place at that at that table. Yes. And as always, Kanish, John Turturro, for some reason, happens to be right there. And uh, he and Worm have a little bit of a, you know, of a little bit of a direct exchange there. So Worm comes back. He had just seen a prostitute. Yep. And sits down at the table, and he uh, he takes uh, Mike's chips in front of him and puts him in front of uh, takes Mike's chips from his station, brings them over to him, and he gets scolded by the dealer. And so and Worm gets all offended. So they they decide to go to the noodle bar. Yes, because Worm had gotten comped. Bar. Right. What's with kite in my checks? I'm on empty, that's why. You are. You're tapped again? I mean, how much was the hooker? Mike, please. Relaxation therapist. Okay? Not where it went. Wait a minute. Went to Roman and Maurice? I told you, man. You didn't have to give it all back to him. Take a little money for your time, you know? Hey, that's not where I went either. I ran into Grandma tonight. Yeah? Yeah. He took everything I had. You're kidding me. Wait, who's he working for? Well, he's sort of of out on his own. This fucker went around. He bought up all my debt. Grandma. That turncoat motherfucker. Are you kidding me? So what do you want? I don't know. By his crazy fucking gorilla math, like 15. 15? Yeah. 15? He says the Jews has been running the entire time on my ten. So it's just like, why didn't you tell me that, man? Why, why did you not tell me that? I mean, I could, I could have paid that off. I had the, I had the money. Hey, I'm not gonna fucking sit in the can and have my friend paying down my debt. I'm not a leech, all right? We can help each other, like, like always. That's, that's why we're here. That's, that's why we gotta get in the bigger game. Do you hear what I'm saying? All right, all right. Listen, man, I'll help you. You know, I'll help you, man. Yeah. I mean, fuck that guy. We'll figure something out. Yeah. And if you notice at the noodle bar, so now you have uh, Matt and Ed are sitting at the noodle bar. Um, Matt is, is chowing down on the noodles. Ed does not take one bite of noodle. He had just eaten, eaten 17. Yeah, he had 17 hot dogs. He had 17 hot dogs. He's not falling for that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, we proceed to learn. Here's where we learn that um, Worm tells Mike that he owes that it's actually grandma. Yeah. Bought up all his debt, and that's who he owes. Doesn't tell him about KGB, nope. and he also doesn't tell me he owes some twenty five. He says, uh, "I he tell you know, I think he owed like fifteen. Well, it is fifteen because Grandma took ten off him. Grandma cleaned him out. Okay, was it? All, did oh, okay. he took all, all ten right. that that uh, Worm had taken from the Chesterfield that he was going to use as his bankroll? He took it all, and so uh, it is down to fifteen, but it's still fifteen to a guy that you don't want to owe fifteen to. With the juice running. But, yeah, but, you know, they, 
<clears throat> so Mike sees him all beat up and waiting for him in front of that. They have that chat. They talk about yeah. stuff. At no point does he mention that not only did he get beat up, but he got cleaned out. Because when he mentions he gets cleaned out, Mike's like, how much was the prostitute? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, please. Please, I say it's a <laughs> <laughs> right. The next scene then. So now we're, so now, but they don't seem too worried about it. Right. I mean, Matt's kind of like, I ah, will figure that. Don't worry about it. We, we can figure this out. Well, Worm doesn't, Worm's not really not worried about it. Worm, Worm's plan all worm. along is if I don't get it, I'm just gone. Worm worries about nothing. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. So then we go to this, this moot court and there's three judges. One is Mariachi, Mr. You know, Car- Carmelo Soprano's, father one is martin landau and then there's a third judge do you know who the third judge is no third judge is vernon jordan oh what do you know yes (laughs) now he for those who don't know vernon jordan was an advisor to bill clinton that's personal attorney at one point to bill clinton yes and while you're thinking well how does he get into the movie and evidently the story goes that Harvey Weinstein ran into Vernon Jordan at the Vineyard in Martha's Vineyard. Not, and at, not at uh, not at Epstein. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no. We went to an island together, and yeah. <laughs> and uh, he runs into him at the Vineyard and tells me to put him in the movie, and 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 there he was. So there you go. Oh, I mentioned earlier, Mike, the name Mike McDermott. Have you figured it out? Have you figured out the Chicago connection to that name? The, writer, the writers named him this because of, they used to hang out with a, a friend of theirs named Mike McDermott, who was a musician. Chicago, yes, singer-songwriter from the Westies out of Chicago. Huh. Well, how nice. He got a character named after him. Wasn't Michael yeah. McDonald. Not Michael McDonald. Not Michael McDonald, no. All right. Um, so the things do not go well in the moot court. Um, this is where, again, I'm wondering why is Matt Damon the lead counsel of this thing? He's clearly unprepared. Someone else has to take over for him. And the redhead who is, who is yes. very eager to take over and she show is. that she actually knows this shit and pretty boy over there knows nothing. Absolutely nothing. How it got that far, I don't know. You would have think he would have been replaced a long time ago since he was skipping meetings and everything. But evidently he wasn't. So things are really – and there's a little confrontation between Gretchen Maul and, and uh, Matt. And it's, it's, um, it's pretty much over at this point. That's not a lot of hope. So now we go back to Mike's apartment. And he's watching a tape of the 88 yep. World Series – not the Dodgers, by the way, the, but yes. the 88 Poker World yes, No Kirk Gibson. No Kirk Gibson in this version. Uh, and who knocks on the door? But, Fom- but Petra, Fomke Jensen. Yeah. And uh, she's looking pretty stunning. Yes, she is. She's just paying a nice social visit and to tell him that uh, he owes a shitload of money that he she realizes he doesn't know that he owes. Right. And she kind of suspects it because Worm, she probably figures out at some point. I'll bet Worm has never told him. Yes. Yes. So now Mike learns that he is in hock. He owes money to the Chesterfield. $8,000. 
Yes. Uh, he also learns that Worm didn't dump the money back to Roman and Maurice like he was told, and he, now it's all sort of coming into focus for yes. him. He gives her a thousand bucks, and he's like, yeah, he kind of plays it off. You know what? Cut him off. Let's yeah. cut him off. Yeah. Boy. Tomorrow's a week. A week of what? First 2000, you owe the Chesterfield. Oh, Worm. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, he just won eight grand. Why go on the line behind another two? So he took, what, about eight off of uh, Roman and Maurice? Yeah. Yeah, it comes in after you leave. It's for like, I don't know, 20 more minutes. Cash is out for the full amount. Maurice hasn't been back since. I think he's been playing cross the street. But, uh, Worm's been around plenty. He's running up just on a seven grand. Yeah. Well, do me a favor and just put him on his own. Yeah. Yeah, I cut him off. Um, I tell you, I got uh, I got a thousand. I got a thousand. And that's you know, I just started coming back. So. Thanks for making it easy, Mike. Oh yeah, yeah. Now here is the most unbelievable scene in the movie, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Do you recall what happens next? Yeah, she walks up, gives him a big kiss, tells him she'd be happy to spend the night, and he thanks her and kicks her to the door. I'm, uh, I'm sorry to be back over here for this reason. Don't worry about it. No, I, I like being here. It's good to see you, Mike. I could stay. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, um, I'll, come, I'll, come, I'll see you down at the club. I'll come by this weekend. Yeah. I don't know what that's supposed to show. I don't either. He's so he's uh, so focused on. Oh, and they, uh, but it, it gets even more ridiculous because not only when she comes over, she sees him watching TV. She sits down, and in ten seconds, she knows the hand that Johnny Chan is right. playing. It's like okay, yeah. it would be like um, you know, like Mina Kimes goes over to Field Yates's house and she sits <laughs> down on the couch and she looks up and she's like, oh. So this is the time that Mitch Trubisky ran off left end and lost eight yards and separated his shoulder. Yeah. Actually, that's a pretty safe bet. Yeah, pretty much. That Mitch is gonna yeah. Maybe it's a bad example. Yeah. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah, this is where we, I think this is the first time where we see where she, we hear the phrase flops the nut straight, right? Yeah. I think that's right. the first time they say it. Johnny Chan flops the nut straight on Eric Seidel. Eric Seidel, who was one of the best poker players in the world, was like, you guys showed the worst moment of my life. And why is he wearing – he's the Pedro Strope of – Yeah. He he's got – it's a visor though, right? It's not a hat. It's a dopey red, red visor. And he's visor. got it off to the left, and it's yeah. barely perched on his head. It's just the most ridiculous-looking thing. Yeah. And people might go, well, that was the fashion in 1988. <laughs> no, it was not. It <laughs> no, was not the fashion. That was not the fashion ever. No. And then we see he and Johnny Chan standing next to each other, and Seidel looks like he's eight feet tall. <laughs> so now we go to the gym. And we see Worm with the basketball hiding out. Hey, I thought you were the janitor, man. You know, it's a good thing Grandma doesn't know you as well as I do. <laughs> hey, yeah. Come on, I'll play your horse. 50 bucks a letter. Yeah, when I win, are you going to pay me back with my own fucking money? Oh, oh, easy, relax. Don't wing it. Just, just step and throw, you know? You need to work on your accuracy, Will you stop fucking around for five goddamn minutes for once in your fucking life? 
Whoa, Jesus. What happened? My old man just walked in the door. I should fucking beat the shit out of you the way he used to. So he and... knows it's worse. It's not just that he owes money because of Worm. Worm's in deep because otherwise he wouldn't be hiding out in the church gym or whatever it is. And, and this church gym, uh, he, he has a history of hiding out there. He hung out as a kid f- from some guy named Tommy Manzi. Yep. And, and this, is a, uh, this is supposedly why Ed Norton says he did the movie is because of this one line. Remember when we found this place, man? Yeah, I remember when we found this place, when you were hiding out from Tommy Manzi because you thought he was going to fucking pound you into oblivion. Yeah, now see, what did I ever do to that guy? You fucked his mother. <laughs> yeah, but she was a good-looking older woman. You got to give me that. She was that. You spent a year of your life hiding in this fucking gym from that sick fuck. And Ed Norton goes, yeah, oh, what yeah. I ever do to that guy? <laughs> yeah, you, you fucked his mom. You fucked his mother. His mother. And Ed goes, well, she was a good-looking older woman. You got to give me that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why he says he agreed to do the movie was because of that line. Which I, I'll buy it. It's a good yeah, story. People have done movies for worse reasons. Right. Mostly Nic- Nicolas Cage to pay taxes. Yeah, there you go. I mean, we learn now that uh, Worm apologizes about, you know, putting Mike in a bad situation with the money. And and Worm is the, and he tells him that uh, Worm's down to 900 bucks. And Mike's like, OK, you got to you got to talk to grandma. You got to straighten this whole thing out. He doesn't want to do it, but. Fine. So they go to Grandma's house. No, not at Grandma's house. They go to grandma's. <laughs> grandma's house. They go there. There's a couple little German kids eating the uh, <laughs> eating the gingerbread off the side of it. It's very baked charming. Cookies. It's very nice. It's a cute got little a tur- scene. A turkey in the oven. <laughs> it's a wonderful scene. No, it's, it's um, a little bit different. I like how the 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 little thing slides open in the door. Hi, boys. Hi. Cops? You look like cops. We're not cops. You want to twirl then? No, no, we're just here to see Grandma. Yeah. The girl, <laughs> you a cop? <laughs> no, no, we're not cops. Oh, you want to twirl? You want to twirl then? <laughs> okay, well, that, that escalated fast. All right. Because <laughs> Grandma is not just a, uh, I don't even know what you'd call him, a loan shark. He's also a pimp. Yeah. He is He's also diversified. Yeah. You got to give him credit. Man. Yeah. It's a businessman. Right. Um, and we see Mike now, and this is evidently Michael Raspoli's idea. He's in red long underwear, which yeah. is hysterical. Yes. It, you, when he turns around at one point, you half expect that the little, uh, the little flap over the butt will just be open. <laughs> right. Thankfully, it's not. Yeah. And Grant, there's a dog is eating, yeah. and it's very disturbing. He hits the dog. Ah, uh, Grandma's not a lot. Not a but you know that for the well, you don't have to tell you this, but that's shorthand, right? That's like screenwriter shorthand for this guy's a horrible, awful person. They're mean to it, animals. It, it, really it conveys it in seconds. Although pretty much everything he'd done to that point, you already convinced us. We didn't need yeah. him smacking the dog. That just added more insult to like, oh, we do not want to be messing with this guy. Yeah. You know, he says, all right, you owe me the money. And Mike's like, OK, uh, I'll give you five grand in a week and you keep the juice going. And then he goes uh, and, and grandma looks at Worm and says he's looking for a little charity there, Lester. He's he's uh, egging him on because yeah, he knows that Worm will blow. 
So where were we? Five grand in a week. Hey, come on, Grandma. Look, we want what you want. We want to we wanna square this thing. But three days, I mean, three days is impossible. All right? I mean, look, no one's saying you're not the man. Just think of this as a business decision. Look, you just got out. Let's put him on a plan. No, 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 no. This isn't the money store, okay? We're not negotiating here. I tell you how it works. Right, all right. Well, then I'm asking. So you looking for a little grace, Lester? Huh? Some charity? You know what, Grandma? I need your fucking charity like I need hey. your cock in hey, my ass. Hey, shut up. Would you okay? shut the fuck no, up? it's too late for him to shut no, up. No, it's hey. too fucking late. Hey, 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 no, 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 listen, listen, listen. listen, listen. He's good for it. He's good for it, all right? He's good, he's good for it, Mike. If yes. you think he's good for it, it's on you, too. Then it's on me, too. Fifteen large, five days, or I start breaking things. I hear you. And uh, Worm insults him. Let's just say that. <laughs> and, uh, and and so Grandma starts attack, uh, you know, attacking him. And he's like, wait, 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 it's okay. He's good for it. He's, Mike says, he's good for it. He's good for it. He says, you think he's good for it? It's on you too then, Mike. He says, okay, fine. Then it's on me. 15 large in five days. Five days. Start, five days. Or I start breaking things. Okay. So to get outside... <laughs> and uh, they 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 argue. Mike's like, we, I, I, you, all you had to do was shut up. You didn't need to say anything. He's like, well, blah blah blah. And they start talking about, okay. Well, Mike's like, all right, I'm going to help you, but we'll. Pl- I'm going to play. And Warren wants to like, you know, cut him up. Let's cheat. Well, if we yep. cheat, we can get this thing done in no time. Mike's like, no, I'm going to do it straight. Um, he's like, uh, you find the games, and I'll I'll clean them up. And he starts rattling off a whole bunch of games. Yeah. There's like the golf pro game. There's this game, which evidently these were all real games yeah. back in the day that they could have, that they could have had. And then there's the bunch of municipal workers up in Binning, in uh, Binghamton. Yes, yes. Well, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> the final game. So we we go through this montage of card games, and yes, it's the uh, it's the pennant race montage of poker. Exactly. It's it, it only would have been better. At some point, they should have ground the montage to a halt and done an American Express commercial. <laughs> that would have been great. Don't steal home without it. <laughs> now, the one thing about this montage, it's, all, it's, it's great, it's well done, but in many of these card games, Worm is literally standing behind the other players. He could very easily signal Mike, you know, this guy's got, you know, Nothing. This guy's got this. And they all let him do it. I mean, Worm is behind these players. Which they should have never let that happen. No. But is, is part of that, do you think, just to convey just how unsavvy the guys they're taking down early on in the montage are? That they literally just don't know any better? It could be. I, I think it was more like, you know, we got to have Ed and, and Mike in the, and yes. Ed and Matt in the sea, and then this is a cool way to yeah, do it. Yeah, because he keeps trying to send him places. Instead yeah. of a bowling alley, send him, you know, wherever. Right. He doesn't, he, right. Mike doesn't want him in there, but he keeps he, popping up. Yes, can't get rid of him. So when uh, did they go? I don't have the sheet in front of me. When did they go get shaved? So they're at the the golf pro game, and um, Mike or Matt folds on a hand oh, yes. that he could he should have won. And so Worm gets him, and so the golf pro guy is laughing at him, ha, 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 uh, taunting him a little bit. I beat the big ringer. Yeah. He calls him a ringer, the big ringer. 
And so Ed Norton gets him outside and he's like, you know, you scolds, scolds Matt Damon for why'd you dump that pot on that hump? We could have had this. And he's like, how much you get on you? And he, and he, he just hands him a roll. Yeah. Just, <laughs> Takes it like flip, basically measuring it. He just kind of yeah. flips his thumb through it. Flips it, looks at it. He's like, that's like seven. He just probably <laughs> made it like seven grand. It's like with that pot you dumped on that guy, we could have had 10. Um, and he's like, come on, look at you. One sixty-four hour session. You need yeah, a nap. 64 hours. And then I, the good thing about it is, I, you know, that Damon wears the same clothes the whole time. Yes. So you could tell they're right. not, it's not like they're zipping back to the, um, to the apartment to freshen up. They're no. just going. There's no freshening up going on. And so it, it does seem weird, but this is where uh, Worm goes. I know what you need. You need a shave. Yeah. So they go to the barbershop to get the, the old straight razor shave. And, and as Ed, as Ed Norton says, <laughs> and you see it in the movie, it's like they picked the two actors who never need a straight razor <laughs> shave. <laughs> um, so I feel like I'm going to get whacked sitting here. Right. I feel like I'm going to get whacked sitting here. And that's where we learn about this game in Binghamton. With uh, all the municipal workers. They all get municipal the checks. Workers. They all get yes. their checks on the same day, and then they go play. Some, they play a couple of couple of tables. They play cards. Yeah, it's right. And there's like 15 grand in this room. You know, he's like, all right, take it. And Binghamton evidently is like five hours, you know, round trip or or, or one way rather from where they. Well, are. So they say it's five thing. hours round trip, and then people say well, it's Binghamton's actually. If it's Binghamton, whatever it is, I think it's Binghamton. Binghamton. It's actually Binghamton. three hours. Oh, three hours. But okay. at five made for better. Made it seem like they're gonna they're gonna waste more time if they right. have to go there. And uh, so how does uh, how does Worm know about this game? So Worm learns about it when he was in prison. Yeah, from Sean Fry. Sean Fry. Sean Fry. His brother. <laughs> his brother. Or his, his brother. His cousin knows about this game. You know, I right. was dumping uh, because he talks about the whole scheme where he would win money off these guys and then dump it to the guards, so the guards would owe him. F- so the you know he could the guards would do favors for him. He went, he goes, "What do you think I dumped all those games to the guards for?" Yeah. <laughs> so Mike sh- uh, shows up and he's you know well yeah pretends- so they go they they pull in and it's all cop cars all cop cars and Mike municipal workers. <laughs> Like, and yeah, as, they, they were as they point out, when you go in, most of the guys are in, it's all cop cars. So most of the guys are in street clothes, which uh, is a big no-no. You're not supposed to be driving the, not supposed to be driving the squad car in your regular clothes. Uh, right. The other thing you might notice is that when they get there, uh, especially uh, Ed, but both of them don't look like they had a shave. No. <laughs> Whatever was going on in those chairs. Uh, maybe they got lathered up and wiped off. They didn't. Uh, they didn't get shaved. Yeah, yeah. Or they grew back awfully quick from mm. the street razor shave. Well, that's a long drive. Yeah. <laughs> so Ed wants to come in. He wants. Hey, let's let's cut this thing up together. And uh, Mike's like, Look, go. You just go somewhere for eight hours. Where am I going to go for eight hours? He's like, oh, you know, he's like, I'll find a bowling find alley. A bowling alley. Find a bowling alley. So Matt Damon goes in. He talks to Sean Fry, and he's sitting down at the game. And uh, he's playing it straight, and he's doing really well. He's up like he, the guys at the table seem to like him. Generally, the rule is the nicer the guy, the poorer the card player. And these guys, despite being cops, are real sweethearts. I'm right on schedule, up 4,200. The morning can't get here soon enough. Holy shit, that's a hell of an elk. Hey, fellas. 
Hey, yeah. hey, Let this guy down at the bowling alley. He says he likes to play a little cards. Uh, you come to the right place. How you doing? This guy's name is Mike. 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 How are you? Hey, let's work there. So, what are you guys playing? 2040 stud. That's the game. Okay. I'm going to play over oh, yeah. All right. Money's Holy shit, that's a hell of an elk. <laughs> <laughs> And it's worm walking in, and the guy he is with is like, hey, I met this guy at the bowling alley. Yeah. Nah, what time is this? Because they get there dark when they get there. Yep. Is this a 5 a.m. bowling alley? What, what is happening? Yeah, they take it seriously there. Worm sits down at the table, which is the last thing in the world that Matt Damon wants him to do. Right. And Worm, of course, immediately starts cheating, and he's, he's feeding Mike. He's feeding uh, Matt Damon great cards so that you know he'll just be able to to uh to win all the money real quickly yep. and, yeah, he's getting, and worm is worm has impulse control problems so he, de- he definitely does yeah right. they're just gonna win it all and then you know even if they start winning it all fast it's not gonna stop no so if there's money on the table he's gonna keep trying to win right so uh, and and Matt is actually folding hands because it's, mm-hmm. it's going to be too obvious that I start winning and all, and all this stuff. And there's one guy who's looking at Ed Norton, the whole one of the cops sitting right next at, to him, right next to him. He's just kind of staring at him. Uh, ace checks. Check. Check on an ace. All right. I'll check. 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 All right. Free card. Here we go. Hold on there. Whoa, easy, easy. What are you doing? Give me the deck. What's what the trouble? You, relax, man. Don't get so agitated. Looks like we got a rogue game here. A what? <laughs> what are you? What? Hey. What the hell's going on over here, Stu? This son of a bitch is base dealing. Caught a hanger, Sarge. But what a hanger? What, what are you saying? I don't even know what you're saying. He's saying you're dealing off the bottom of the deck. Because at some point, as Worm is dealing, he goes, he grabs his arm. And he's like, and and he's like, you know, what's going on here? And Worm is starting to panic a little bit. And there's a there's a commotion at the table, and so one of the guys from another table comes up. He's the guy in charge, yes. evidently. And he's like, what's going on here? And he goes, the guy goes, caught a hanger, Sarge. And Worm is like, what? I don't even. What is that? I don't even know what that means. What's a hanger? <laughs> yeah. what? 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 I don't get it. I what? 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 And the Sarge is like means means you're dealing from the bottom of the deck and so they um well you so you quickly see as as damon goes to set his cards down you quickly see what's he's got he's got two sevens right three uh three sevens he's got three sevens and he puts it down and then they the rest of the scene plays out and at one point they turn the deck over because he's dealing off the bottom of the deck oh god come on guys jesus what did he give him to me Seven of hearts. You boys professionals, you working? Hey, no, listen, listen. I was winning before this guy got here, all right? Okay, okay, let's let the cards do the talking. The seven didn't help you. We'll listen to what you have to say. Ozzy, turn the cards. What? Hey, come on. It's three of a kind. You dealt Ozzy. Three Shut sixes, up. like... I'm just saying, it's three One of a kind. One last thing, Stu. Hey, all right, take it easy. Take it easy now. Because the guy comes over, Sergeant Detweiler, played Is by that that's the that's the character's name, played by a right. guy named Murphy Goyer, who another was on good, Law and Order for fifteen years playing a cop 
He's Mr. Cop. He looks like he's just the guy you go hire when you need a cop because you don't even need him in uniform. Everybody knows he looks like a cop. He it comes exactly. over and he yeah. says, well, you got to turn these cards over. And if, if that ace would help you. And Damon's like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, wait, wait, I was winning without that. I was winning before yeah, this guy even right. showed up. Like, OK, all right. Well, I don't even we'll know see. this guy. <laughs> right. Well, we'll see what the we'll see what the cards show. And if it if it doesn't help you, we'll listen to your story. Right. And that's when we find out that Worm has got the ace at the bottom of the deck to give ready to give Mike the full house. And they they proceed to beat the shit out of them. Yep. Worse than the Warriors beating <laughs> beating the Rogues with hockey sticks. There is no way those two would survive that beating with these 15 guys just kicking them and beating the hell out of them. That's also the first time when they're sitting there on the ground after having the shit kicked out of them. That's the only time in the movie that um, might cause them less. So they they argue, and this is the point where Worm reveals that it's KGB who backed Grandma. What the fuck were you thinking? He was trying to give us an edge. I had him. Hey, I'm sorry we got banged up, all right? I took a shot and I missed. That happens. Fucking happens all the time around you. And what? It doesn't happen to you? You're the guy who flushed his whole fucking bankroll on one hand, Oh, hey, fuck you, man. That was different. Why? Why? Explain that to me. Why different, huh? What makes you so fucking special? How come all your moves are so smart and noble and I'm always the idiot piece of shit? You act like you're the only one in the world with any fucking ambition. What's your ambition, man? What? Tell me, I don't know. What is it? I don't even know. I don't think like that. No, you don't think. No, I don't think like you. You always think you can beat the game straight up. That's not me. I told you, I'm always going to look for that edge. Always. All right, what's the edge now? What the fuck do we do? We owe 15 grand in a day and we're broke. What do we do? It's easy. We get the fuck out of Dodge, all right? We just steer clear of the city for a while. We'll hit the road. We'll be up again in no time. This will all blow over. We'll have a ball. Not a fucking chance I'm going to live like that. Listen, you talk to Grandma. You get him to stake me. It's not going to work, okay? We're not dealing with Grandma. He said Grandma's on his own. He told me Grandma's on his own. KGB bankrolled him. You just fucked us right in the ass. Yeah, all the way, okay? So you see what I'm saying? No fooling around. It's highway time. Are you with me or not? No, I'm not this time. Now, my question to you is, does Worm do this on purpose? Does he go in and, and do what he does on purpose? Because if this succeeds, if Mike succeeds, he could pay off his gambling debt. And then that'll be it. He'll, you know, he, he won't be able to, he, he won't be able to, Michael could, he'll be done with him. Won't play cards with him anymore. He'll have nothing left. See, the, left the idea is he goes in, he sabotages it. And then the two of them will go on the lamb together and he'll get to keep going, play cards with his best friend. And he's worried that. Yeah. Once his debt's paid off, Mike doesn't owe him anything. And 
He's no, right. He has no need for him. It's very possible. Give me the keys. You're really going to go back there? Yeah. I'll see when I see it. Hey. At least you're rounding again, right? You're going to thank me for that someday. Yeah. That's Instead, you get the people. opposite. They lose the money yeah. and Mike says, Right. Fuck you, I do it myself. I'm out of here. Right. Fuck you, Joe Boo. I do it myself. <laughs> and so this is the last time they these two are together in the movie. Mike gets Mike asks for the car, Worm gives him the car. And there's a great bit of nonverbal acting here by by Edward. You can just see he's he's losing his friend, his 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 lifeline, everything is is going away right now. So it's it, this is truly everything that as bad as Worm's life was it just got even it just, he just finally hit rock bottom so mike drives into the city goes back to grandma's place here we say michael raspoli eating ice cream oh, look at you look at me come in nah where's your friend uh he's gone he's gone so you brought my money i'm a little short how short? The whole way. It must be some kind of story. Well, as you can see, I can't pay you. So you banged up pretty good. You never should have vouched for that scumbag. Maybe not. You're leaving me no outs here. Why? I can't trust you two on playing me. I'm not the one working with a partner here. You want to take it up with KGB? You go right ahead. Otherwise, you got one day and this will feel like a Swedish massage. So he doesn't get any relief from Grandma. He goes to the Turkish baths and to find Kanish. Get us, Kinnish is having us schwitz. A schwitz. Kinnish schwitz. Right. And evidently, this was a real place that existed. And um, but I think I think it was known for 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 giving things uh, for selling more than schwitzes. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Deshaun Watson tried to open one of those in Houston, I think. <laughs> and so he asked Kanish for help, and Kanish is like, "What do you need? Five hundred, a thousand? He's like, "No, I need fifteen. And um, that ain't gonna happen. And so they have a little they have a little argument here. You know, he calls him. Uh, you know, Mike says, "You're the guy who sees all the angles. You never had the stones to play him." And a great job by John Turturro here, just very understated, like you little punk. Listen, you know, this is one time I don't need you to tell me how I fucked up. I know I fucked up. What I need from you is money. I need whatever money you can give me. See, that's the thing. This time there is no money. I give you two grand, what's that buy you? A day? Nah, I give it to you, I'm wasting it. That's fucking great. You did it to yourself. You had to put it all on the line for some Vegas pipe dream. Hey, I took a risk. I took a risk. You, you see all the angles. You never have the fucking stones to play one. Stones? You little punk. I'm not playing for the thrill of fucking victory here. 
I don't rent alimony, child support. I play for money. My kids eat. I got stones enough not to chase cards, actions, or fucking pipe dreams of winning the World Series on ESPN. You want me to call some people? Try and buy you some time, I will. Place to stay or the truck? No problem. But about the money, I got to do this. I got to say no. And now Mike tells the story of... Now it all comes together. Why he decided to go to KGB's the first place is because he met, he played against Johnny Chan at the Taj nine months ago. I never, I never told anybody this. About eight, nine months ago, I'm at the Taj and it's late and I see Johnny Chan walk in. And he goes, he sits 300, 600. And you know, the whole place stops. Johnny Chan walks in. Everybody puts an eye on him. I mean, after a little while, you know, there, was, there wasn't a crap game going because all the high rollers are over there watching him. I mean, some of them are sitting there playing. They're giving away their money to this guy to say, oh, I play with a world champion. And you know what I did? What? I sat down. No, you need 50, 60 grand to play right now again. Well, I had six. But I had to know. What happened? Played tight for an hour. I folded mostly, and then I made a score. Why are these the kings? Rags. I had nothing. But <laughs> he raised, and I just decided, you know... I don't care about the money. I'm just going to outplay the guy. I'm just going to outplay this guy, this hand. I'll re-raise. Re-raise? You play right back at him, huh? Oh, yeah. And he just comes right back over the top of me, trying to bully me like I'm some fucking tourist. I hesitate for like two seconds. I'll re-raise. And he makes a move toward his checks, and he looks at me. And then he looks at his cards, and he looks at me again. And he mucked it. I took it down. Did you have it? I'm sorry, John. I don't remember. I got up and I walked to the cashier. I sat with the best in the world. And I won. Put a fucking move on, Chan, you son of a bitch. So that's why you made that run at KGB's place. That's right. And I'll do it again if I can. Well, then I'm rooting for you, Mike. Do you think there's, given that with Damon and Affleck's connections, do you think that um, if this movie is shot, say, just before the uh, AFC Championship game uh, in Kansas City three years ago, if it's shot any time before that, do you think there's a chance that in the background of the Turkish bath, Bob Kraft's walking around with a nothing but a towel on, <laughs> little cameo, and then once the... Uh, Orchids of Asia thing came to light. Uh, right. Oh, we got to cut that. I got to cut that scene. <laughs> oh, too bad we can't find out. That would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> so now uh, Matt has only one other thing he could, he's got. His, he's down to his final play. He goes to the judge. He goes to Martin Landau. And he, and he explains to his professor of the situation i vouch for the for the wrong guy um, so now it's on me i understand so what will it take for you to be free of this i need fifteen thousand tonight michael michael Kills me to ask you. I, I don't have any other play here. 
So, uh, if you, you can help me at all. You know, I hate to see you like this. I want to help you, Michael, but $15,000, I... He gets, he gets his 10 grand. How does Petrovsky pay him? Writes him a check. Writes him a check. So now here's the middle of the night or early, you know, it's nighttime. I don't know if it's middle of the night. He's got a right. check for 10 grand. He's got to go get the check. I don't think Teddy's taking the check. So he's no. got to go get a cash somewhere. How do you cash a check at a check cashing place and still come out with the 10 grand? You can't. Right. It'd be like you, nine grand is what right. you come out. Right. So apparently... The Kappelman claims that there was another it was they shot an entire scene to explain this where the judge tells Mike that he knows a guy who can cash the check for him. And he goes to a check cashing place and he take, comes out with all ten. And they're like, Okay, that's ridiculous. Nobody's gonna care. We don't need to put it in. And they're like, and now for the last twenty whatever years, we've been taking crap from people like how did he cash a check for ten thousand dollars and get all the money in the middle of the night? So right. that's what you get for you know, for tidying up the tightening up the movie. Just walking in here makes me queasy. The brick walls, the fucking mopes at the tables, the musty smell. I feel like Buckner walking back into Shea. But what choice do I have? So you have my money? I owe that money tomorrow, right? But. Still mine. For the next eight hours, it is yours. But if you don't have it all by then, then you are mine. I got $10,000. I'm looking for a game. Sure. You heard me. play, heads up, we both start with a couple of racks. Blinds uh, 25 and 50. And we don't stop till one of us has it all. Let's do it. And so now they're sitting one-on-one, Teddy and, and Mike, and early in the early in the night, Mike puts a big bat out on the table and <laughs> Malkovich goes very aggressive at the bet that he put down. And 
Anyhow, Mike wins the hand, so he gets he wins a, a ton of he wins a he wins a huge hand right after the he chops a leg out from under him right away. Yep. And we see that before that happens though is that um, while this pot while this this money's on the table and Teddy's thinking about what to do, he takes the Oreo and he and he breaks it up to his face and he breaks it in front of him, but he does not put it up to his ear and he does not eat it. And he says, "Take it down." So Mike wins the hand. Yep. So that was the, that's the first thing that we're going to get this. Uh, okay, they're setting up setting up the tell. The the Oreos continue quickly. Mike basically cleans out uh, Teddy with what Teddy started with, and it ends up that he's he oh he's got everything to uh, pay Teddy, and he's like, and he has an extra five grand, right? Catching that Jack on the turn, you got lucky there. Yep, it was luck. So that's it then. Hmm? Just like a young man coming in for a quickie. I feel so unsatisfied. Sorry. You must feel proud and good. Strong enough to beat the world. You feel fine. Me too. I feel okay. Of course, maybe we check with one other guy, see how he feels. Grandma! I thought I smelled him. I think it's ours. Boris, you could let it ride, Mike. Take your chances. You could let this happen, Grandma? Sure, partner. He still has till morning to make good. Um, you know what? I got my five grand here. That's just fine by me. I'm going home. Fine. It's a, it's a fucking joke anyway. After all, I am paying you with your money. What'd you say? Your money. I am still up uh, 20 grand from this last time I stick it in you. They're trying to goad me. Yeah. Trying to own me. But this isn't a gunfight. It's not about pride or ego. It's only about money. I can leave now, even with Grandma and KGB. And halfway to paying Petrovsky back. That's a safe play. I told Worm, you can't lose what you don't put in the middle. Deal. But you can't win much either. So now the tables have turned. The next we see now, Teddy's got all the chips in front of him, and Mike is dwindling down. And he goes, uh, you must be kicking yourself for not walking out when you did. Bad judgment. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you worry, son. It will all be over soon. And then this is the scene where Mike spots the towel. So Teddy, um, he sees Teddy take the Oreo, puts the cookie to his ear and eats it. And so that means that. Teddy has 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 the hand he's looking for yep. in this, and he tells them. Mike goes, "Look, he goes, he, he goes. I'm going to lay this down. He goes, uh, it's a, he had the top two pair in the hand. He goes, I'm going to lay this down. It's a monster hand. And Teddy goes, lays down a monster, monster, monster. The fuck did you lay that down? <laughs> 
So again, kind of like the, the most obvious tell in history, really sticking an Oreo up to your ears, splitting it and eating it. He finally spots it. Yep. So he doesn't have the time to let him just do that all night. So he's just trying to, to uh, agitate him to get him off his game. And he does. And um, so now we, we fast forward a little bit well, and now go, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say, so Teddy, is this, is this when Teddy realizes that he yes. figured it out from the cookies. So he literally tosses his cookies. I'm hungry. Mr. Son of Beats, let's play some cards. So they keep playing. And it's the final hand. And Mike... The two cards Mike has are, uh, and he has the, the eight and nine of spades. And Teddy, and we see the common cards are six, seven, and ten. So Mike has just flopped the nuts straight. Now, Teddy doesn't know this yet. Yeah. It's because Teddy doesn't sit around watching Johnny Chan videos, breaking them down. <laughs> if he did, he would have recognized it right away. Knew he was he would not. Teddy splashes the pot. So he picks up his chips. He just drops them. And um, and Mike is just trying to piss him off by saying, don't splash the pot. All right, I'll call the two grand. I'll gamble. Don't splash the pot. You're on a draw, Mike? Go away. This one is not good for you. And in my club, I will splash the pot whenever the fuck I please. And so Mike is playing a beautiful, like, fuck, I'm fucked. I don't have, a, uh, I don't have the hand. Um, and Teddy goes, you know, big daddy, bitch. <laughs> and so then we see the final card, and Teddy, Teddy, uh, puts down an ace, and he goes, "Eight hurts, doesn't it? You can't believe what fell. All your dreams, this." Pops down the fucking drain. Your fate is sitting right beside you. That ace could not have helped you. I bet it all. You're right, Teddy. The ace didn't help me. I flopped the nut straight. Satisfied now, Teddy? Because I can go on busting you up all night. Yet, yet. So there's a lot of commotion in there, and they're about to kick Mike's ass. And, and Teddy says, "Yet, no." Which he beat. I don't know if you know this. That means no in Russian. There you go. Not sure if you knew that. You saw that from the subtitle version, yeah. probably. He beats me straight up. Pay him. Pay that man his money. So how much does Mike walk out here? Now, did you calculate this? Well, Mike says he wins about sixty thousand dollars. So okay. by the, by paying off, he could pay off the Chesterfield, he could pay off Grandma, and he could play 
Petrovsky back, and he's basically got the thirty grand that he lost that at the beginning of the movie. Right. But yeah, there's people make the point that um, in that final hand, he wins about fifteen grand off Teddy. So in theory, he would have been sitting there with about forty-five. So did he really need to win it? Well, he, he did because they were going to play until somebody didn't have anything. Right. So it was immaterial. You didn't get any of the money unless you got all the money. And, it, and, and as it happens, it turns out to be basically the exact amount of money that he needed to make himself whole. Yeah, except this time he doesn't have to hide it in books and the back of a picture frame and in right. his own apartment from his girlfriend. Instead, he can just get in his car and he can head west and he can go see a guy about a girl. <laughs> go see a guy about a girl. Oh, wait, that's a different... I got to see about a girl. I got to see about a girl, not a guy about a girl. I got to go see about a girl. Yeah, I got to go see about a girl. Yeah. So uh, we see Mike meets his uh, Joe Gretchen Mall outside the law building. And he uh, tells her what happened. And and he he says, can you give this 10 10 to Petrovsky? I I didn't want to wake him. Did you really not want to wake? Would you not mind being woken yeah. up to find out you got ten grand? You got the ten grand. We've been probably weren't sleeping because you thought you'd give ten grand to a shiftless gambler who's probably going to get killed because of it. Instead, yeah. you wake up and he's handing it back to you. That's a reason to wake somebody up, I would think. And shouldn't he given him a little something for the effort? He should have. Yeah, a little he bit of a tip. Should've. Yeah, thousand five hundred could have given him a little something. I wonder why he didn't, because that would have been, you know, that would have been Mike's code to give him a little something extra, don't you think? You think. Yeah. And they say uh, they say their goodbyes, and she goes, uh, call me. And you were kind of wondering, call me? What does that mean? Hey. Call me. If you need a lawyer. I will. And I will. And uh, the scene is shot, the, the camera is actually inside the door. So we're looking from inside the building out to the street to see Mike getting into the cab. So it's it's the symbolic cutting off of his, you know, any establishment career he might have had is now gone forever. And he hops into the cab and tells him to take him to the airport. Take me to the airport. Any of them. <laughs> Doesn't matter. All right. And uh, so where are you going? Vegas. Good luck, man. Thanks. So it all tight and has a nice little bow on it at the end. Luck. Actually, let me tell you. Yeah. yeah. It's not luck. <laughs> okay. So just a couple of bits of trivia that we didn't, um, we didn't on. hit through the North thing. Um, so to, I don't know if to prepare for the movie or just because of the movie, Damon and Norton went, played in a $10,000 Texas Hold'em No Limit event at the 98 World Series of Poker. And Damon got knocked out. He had Kings and Doyle Brunson. The great Doyle Brunson. The great Doyle Brunson had aces. Oh, ouch. And then a trivia question. So Matt Damon and John Malkovich have played the same character in different movies. They did both played it after this movie. Who is that character? Was it okay? Was it Loki? Nope. No, the story I told you about Matt Damon being in Thor Ragnarok for two seconds has nothing to do with this. Nothing to do with this question? No. Damn, I thought I had you. 
I don't know. They both played Tom Ripley. Damon and the incredible and the talented Mr. Ripley in '99, ah. and Malkovich and older Tom Ripley, obviously in Ripley's Game in 2002, movie nobody saw, uh, including me. Yes. No idea. Interesting. All right, so who would you have played in the movie? I'm going to go with Grandma. Yeah, grandma's a good. Uh, Grandma gets to eat, yeah. gets to chew a lot of scenery and probably other things that we don't he does. really want to yeah. know. Yeah. It's so good. How would you have, who, who would have, how about you? I would have been Roman. I don't think I could have pulled off Maurice, so I would have, I would have been Roman and wore the <laughs> fake Versace shirt. And nice. me and Gordon Bisnick could have just torn it up. Um, is there a, hence the name of the movie? Um, Yes. Well, close, because he says, Ed Norton says to him after the cop game, at least you're rounding again. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, that could be right. I thought, and I should have written it down, I think at one point, the word rounders is actually said, but maybe you're right. Maybe it's just, we'll have to, we'll have to could leave be... that up for discussion. In fact, on the weekends, you can't get a game in the city because all the New York rounders are taking care of the tourists here. And, uh, and who would Trey Wilson have played? Willie Mays Hayes. <laughs> <laughs> is that this movie or is that a different movie? I'm confused. He'd have been a good. Uh, he'd have been a good Petra. Very a good sexy. Petra. Very yeah. sexy. Yeah. He'd have been good. <laughs> okay, so uh, we talked a little bit about some of the cast. Josh Mustel, who is Zero Mustel's son. Uh, if people can't picture him, uh, he was in City Slickers. So you might remember that, but people will remember him. He was the principal in Billy Madison. He always plays kind of a guy, a schlubby guy who needs a shave. Right. Um, yeah, the Soprano tie-ins, <clears throat> Jackie Priel, Michael Raspoli, uh, Carm's dad, and then John Tortero's sister, Ada. Yes, yes. Yeah, John, John Tortero never had a Soprano's appearance, I believe. No, but he did. Uh, I kept waiting for him. You know, they talk. I, it's a tease. He's in the movie. They talk about a bowling alley. They couldn't have had a scene where he's cleaning the bowling ball. <laughs> you don't fuck with the Jesus. <laughs> well, I would say that you, and I made you drive this time. You did an excellent job. I would say you clearly won the podcast. So which wheel are we going to spin to see what movie's next? Are we spinning Let's... your wheel or the combined wheel of, of whatever? Of movies. Let's let's spin the combined wheel. All right. We are down to four movies. Oh, my. On what the are combined they? wheel. They are okay. classics all, of course. It wouldn't be honest if they weren't. Fletch, Goodfellas, yep. Young mm-hmm. Frankenstein, and to tie it all together, The Big Lebowski. <laughs> we, cannot go, we cannot go wrong. I would say that. There it goes. You can hear that. What's heading to? Oh, it's almost like we planned it. (laughs) The Big Lebowski. Oh, the crowd goes wild. Next time you hear this podcast, you could pour yourself a white Russian and find a a rug that really tied the room together. (laughs) Because we're going to be talking about the Big Lebowski. Yes. Bowling alleys, rug, white Russians, they've got it all. So... Uh, Mike Donahue's like, I like that you guys do all sports movies. 
Uh, I don't know which sport they're playing in the right stuff. Rockets, <laughs> apparently. Um, right. But this continues the run of sports movies because it goes, obviously, baseball, baseball, poker. I don't know if poker is a sport. You don't have to change shoes. You don't need to take right. a shower afterwards, although I guess <laughs> you probably should. And now bowling. There we go. We got them all. It is all tied together. What's the, what's the sport in Young Frankenstein? I don't think we know. <laughs> yeah, figure that out when we get there. All right. All right. Well, nice job, Mike. Many of us have herpes. <laughs> 